Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Let's go. It is time for your football party as we break down week two in the NFL and get ready for week three coming up tomorrow. And the craziness of last weekend is still fresh in in my mind, and I'm sure in Jason's too, because there were more quarterback casualties than I think I've ever seen. The turnover from week two to week three is something uh, just boggles the mind, but we'll get to all of that. Coming up here, you are listening indeed to In Much Less Detail, the podcast here with you live on a Saturday night, September the 21st, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Whew. Boy, that that, that quarterback injuries and, and turnover and benchings and everything, Just it, it, the NFL QB RIP is the only title that could come up for this week's show because it's all about uh, – mourning the loss of some legendary quarterbacks and, and mourning the benchings of some others, the future Hall of Famers. I'm, I'm sure Jason has a uh, hot nah, I don't know about on that, that one. Oh, I think it's going to happen. We, we I mean, because it's, yes, because it's that market. It's that market. And, mm-hmm. you know, that I think there's an Eli was not a quarterback or a player who made really any enemies. I mean, because he was just so bland and so vanilla. So no, you know, so when it comes down to, uh, you know, like with, when you talk about the baseball hall of fame, you know, they put in these guys because, Oh, they were great interviews <laughs> because, you know, they didn't <laughs> rattle the cages with the media. Eli seemed like that kind of guy. And he did win the two super bowls and did have some big super bowl moments, but boy, the tail, the tailspin, of his career here since the last Super Bowl win has been pretty palpable. And they've tried to do this. This has been a franchise desperate to move on from him for a few years. And they botched it so bad a couple of seasons ago that they ended up basically having to do the Eli Manning, you know, apology tour last year and, and let him keep the job. And, but now they've seen enough. They've, they've seen enough of the check downs and the, and the wildly inaccurate throws. And yeah, they're, they're done. They, they, this time they weren't going to wait until later in the season and just sort of in, unceremoniously start Geno Smith, which that that's probably yeah. the worst move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, start a new term. When you decide to start Geno Smith, I guess that means you've committed genocide. Really? I guess. Uh, yeah, dude, so you anytime, any, anytime, anytime you see Geno Smith starting, a franchise team. has officially committed genocide. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So it's Daniel it, it Jones was... and Mr. Adversity himself. Mr. Adversity. <laughs> Might be Mr. Struggle Face by the time uh, they, they get through with him tomorrow. Um, 
I, I wanted to give the proper send off to, to all the, the action and all the injuries and all the benchings and whatnot that we saw last weekend, because it was something I, like I said, I've never seen this much turnover from one week to the next. So uh, I want to give uh, the proper last rights, dearly beloved. We are gathered here this evening to honor the career of Eli Manning, which came to an end probably this past weekend to honor the season of Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees, which came to very premature ends and possibly the career of Drew Brees as well uh, to honor possibly the, the loss for a long time of Cam Newton, who is not going to be taking the field anytime soon and doesn't deserve to uh, add them to the collection with Nick Foles, uh, all the other benchings, all the other, uh, quarterbacks getting hurt. Uh, may they all rest in peace. Yeah. And I know it's, I know it's not really a benching because nothing that happens in Miami should count. But Ryan Fitzpatrick has also been benched. That's another one. Yes. So the, the, the Josh Rosen is, experiment is once again jo- yes. in full effect. <laughs> Josh Rosen is going to be taking meaningful snaps once again for an NFL franchise with no future. I completely dispute the the use of meaningful with anything concerning the Miami Dolphins this year. I would go so far as to say that they're meaningful to him. I would go so far as to say they're not, not even to him. (laughs) He just knows it's over. He could flowers. No no matter how well his career may may turn out in the future, uh, there will be no Miami Dolphins highlights on his career uh, highlight package. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I don't care what he does from this point forward. This this franchise, uh, I'll I'll go off on on that right now before we even get to anything else. Yeah, this is this that, is worse than Murga. This is worse than Murga. This is worse than the Cardinals. I, I mean, this is worse than the Lions, right? This is the worst. It doesn't get worse than this. I've never seen a team play that. It is not just playing bad. It's it's. The effort's bad. The execution's bad. The the morale's bad. Just everything across the board. I've never seen anything like it. It's so bad. Uh, what was the the highlight uh, or the low light of the the running back out of the backfield that had a, a pass being thrown to him? And of all the options that you can do to when you have a pass thrown at you uh, at, at any level on any football level, you can reach for the pass, try to catch it. Uh, you can look at it go over your head. You can look at it hit the ground. You can uh, try to catch it and, and bobble it, have it go through your fingers. You can. There, there's so many ducking out of the way of the ball as if yes. it was going to <laughs> set you on fire if it touched you. That's never been one of the options, not that I'm aware of. Dude, duck you all, out of the way. You could almost hear him like, ah! Yeah, right. Oh, my God, this this ball might actually hit me. And we might actually get positive yardage. We can't let that happen. I have to get out of the way of this football. I I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that. Uh, the whole thing is so bad already. After two weeks, I've seen the uh, that I put up earlier about this squad uh, famous because everybody seems to be about how many Foxworth ran. Uh, I'm the disgrace that in my Dolphins out of the ESPN talking head shows. But he was basically 
saying was uh, this is putting the, the, the players that are on the field is putting their health at risk because you're playing with guys who are so subpar that you have to pick up for what they're lacking, put you out there even more so than normal. It puts you uh, on, a, on, a, on a stage where you're trying to play two or three positions instead of just your one. You can't just do your job. You know the guy next to you can't do his because the team, the organization on purpose put people next to you can't do what they're supposed to do. Um, and it revealed an aspect of tanking that I really hadn't even contemplated before I brought that up. A team in such a violent sport that can't trust its teammates because they're beyond bad and also maybe trying to fuck on purpose, maybe uh, it's being into their brain. Like I said, back to the way of the ball coming. Is it possible of getting positive yardage and going against the, the team's obvious edict of losing and being as terrible as it can be? It turns it from 11 on 11 into 1 on 21. And it's so unfair to the guys that are there that are actually to do something. And like I said, quite like it. It's, it is worse than Murga. It's worse than anything the Browns or the Lions did. I don't know how the hell they luck into a win and avoid going 0-16 at this point uh, because it's so obvious they're trying to lose every game by as big a margin as possible. No, absolutely. Uh, that's 100% correct. All the ramifications that come with losing. We we thought we saw a Bills team that was trying to tank a couple of seasons ago, but they 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 were so bad at tanking that they made the playoffs. You want to see tanking? Happen. We'll show you tanking. That's right. That, yeah, this is going to be next level. I mean, this isn't accidental like 0-16 Lions or 0-16 Browns because it, what I mean by accidental is those teams – had four or five games that were winnable games, right? Both of those teams in those, you know, seasons where they didn't win a game where they had a lead or they blew it or they missed a field goal late, but they, they were clearly in games. So they, they were 0 and 16, but they, they were not 0 and 16 against the spread. They, they, they were, you know, a couple of times uh, pretty reliable covers because they, they showed up the, the dolphins so far, man. I remember when we were talking last week about making that analogy about the Ravens playing that first two weeks of the, the non-conference part of their schedule, like in college. Yeah. That's that's every game for the Dolphins this year, right? <laughs> yes. They look like a, this a is Division Three South football Dakota program. State. Yeah, it's like Playing South Dakota Alabama. State busted into the NFL. Yes. <laughs> now, they may, they may – now, it, it, this doesn't mean that they're – uh, potentially, I don't. I don't know if we can. You can predict anything out where you're going to say a team's just automatically going to go 0 and 16 against the spread. Um, but the issue that's because what's going to eventually happen is you're going to reach that tipping point where if they keep getting blown out, you know, and the spreads keep turning and you know getting college size. I can, honestly, have you or I, <laughs> and we don't. We've got pretty good memories. Can you remember a week with two 20 no. point spreads? No. Okay. And we've got two of them this week. Yes. It's rare enough that you see one 20 point spread in a season and we've got two of them in In one week. week. I've never thought of last week. And last week we had a 19. um, Right. And you took those points. I'm glad you did. (sighs) (laughs) Well, they had a cover until the (laughs) halftime. No, I should have lost. Yeah, because because the Patriots were like playing with them like little boys. I, I don't think yeah. the Patriots took that seriously for one second. No, I, I, I did not out. see uh, 
a maximum effort from them at all. I think the Patriots set out to get Antonio Brown involved and integrate him into the franchise, and that's really the only goal that they had on Sunday. And so they they, they made A.B. feel yeah. at home, and they made him feel good, and now he's a, a, a member of the team, and he oh, should feel man. good about this the, the all the machinations that he went through to get out of Oakland to make himself a New England Patriot. He should be very proud of himself because now he's playing with yes. the GOAT, and he's ready to contend and compete for a Super Bowl. Let's go! We <laughs> We should never, we should never be able to say in any game or any week of an NFL season that a team is so bad that the other team just showed up to work on things. Not at this level. You should never this is, say the, that. I mean, the Patriots. I mean, Patriots, that uh, was let's just spring training. Remember when Greg Maddox team. used to purposely go out and just get destroyed in spring training because he was just working on his pitches. Because he was throwing pitches over the plate, which he doesn't just, do yeah. in the regular season. He'd just throw the same pitch over and over and over again, and then they'd interview him after, and he's like, oh, I was just working on some things. Yeah. Is that what the Patriots were doing? The Patriots were just worried. Hey, we're just going to force feed the ball here to Antonio Brown to make him feel like he's part of the team and get him. You, you shouldn't be able to do that against a real NFL opponent. This was and, not a real NFL no, opponent. No. So the, the, the Dolphins are. They are next level terrible. It remains to see be seen if this becomes historic. I mean, 100 and, 102 points, I believe, or is that the number? 102 points in two weeks. In, in two games. Two games. Now again, that that's against. I mean, a Ravens team that I mean, last year took them probably seven games to score 59 points, yeah. and a Patriots team that I'm not sh- that I'm not shocked at all put a 40 burger up on them. So that one wasn't the one that like stood out to me like, oh wow, oh, no, I can't believe that. You know, and then they get to go to Dallas this week. Oh my God, man! Yeah, it, it doesn't get any easier. I I was I was tongue in cheek talking last week about uh, for your eliminator pools, take whoever's playing take Miami, whoever the Dolphins play. Yes, and worry about the only four options, the 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 three division opponents that they play the second time and their bye week. That's all you have to really concern yourself with. And the other sixteen games. Uh, or the other uh, 13 games, just go yeah. whoever's playing against Miami. That looks like a good idea now. I was I, I was kind of half joking. I tell you what, it sounds great, but there will be a game where they are accidentally competitive, or they were, there will be a game where they are playing somebody equally as, as crappy as they are. Like, they get to play the Jets twice. They do. That's... So... I, I... They they will. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they will. They'll, they'll accidentally cover a couple of spreads. That you know they'll they'll be like eight point home dogs against some awful team, and you're like, eh, you know what? All right. Good I, luck I, I figuring cannot, out. Which I honestly game, can't though. believe that the actual. I I can't believe that the coaching philosophy is we're all trying to lose on purpose. I don't know if the NFL would stand for that. Somebody, don't you think somebody would leak that out? I don't know. Like that there's what an edict, else? you know, if it's come down from the top to say, just lose everything. I mean, what are you losing everything for? What, what's the, what's the player who you're so after that you have to draft number one, that they're going to change your franchise. There's nobody out there. that's going to just change you instantly into a contender. This team is dog shit. It is. I'm not saying the coaching staff is coaching their athletes to go lose. I'm saying that I, think it's it's starting to sub uh the seek into the subconscious uh, like i said when you have a running back 
flinching out of the way of a fucking pass right at his head. Uh, it's <laughs> it's getting in there somehow. It. Okay, a ball. It's a live game, and there's a live ball coming at you. The reaction to I'm not expecting it isn't to get out of its way so that it's loose and, and possibly live. That's not the reaction. I, I think that's the reaction if you're on a team that is so down in the dumps and, and so clearly – trying to lose the organization is trying to lose that it, it subconsciously seeps into you that you don't even want to try to do anything close to good right. <laughs> and that's that's disgusting that's just disgusting well i think that's i think we spend a long enough time that might be the last long discussion we have about the miami dolphins good riddance unless they prove to be historically bad and, and be mm-hmm. even worse than this which is possible Hard to imagine, but it's possible. Not the um, way you want to make history. Um, any of the so in the games also. I mean, so results. How how did we do last week? We did not uh, do quite as bad as week one, so that's that's good. Uh, you got the the game up back from me that you uh, lost in week one, so we're tied on the season. You put up a nine six and one. Uh, very impressive on week two, and I put up uh, an eight, seven, and one. So for the season, we're both sitting uh, one game below 500. Not anything to be ashamed of after two weeks, especially this particular season with these two weeks, with so many things that have happened in these two game, two weeks of games that are beyond anyone's prediction, beyond comprehension. Uh, yeah. Just I know every season has its ups and downs and quirks. But this year feels extra, extra, extra spicy and quirky to me. Yeah. It, well, and it's. It, I think it's as we get more and more involved with this, players not playing in the preseason. Is that exhibition week be, six? Yeah, but you know what? It's got to stop at some point. I mean, you've had these guys have had enough real time playing together now that we shouldn't keep just calling it exhibition season. Um, un- ridiculously high amounts of penalties. I mean, that, that Thursday night game was almost unwatchable. There was a flag on every play. Yes. Holding on every play. Yes. Is, is... Which was, which was also both, although it was brought up uh, correctly that that crew that was calling the game is the most prolific crew calling holding last year. And they proved it again that they, they saw holding everywhere. I mean, when they literally they say there's holding on every play in the NFL, I think these officials took that to heart. They did, but it is league-wide, too. Uh, overall, yeah, they're it's, way, it's 16% up, increase in penalties, I believe. I thought I heard 66% or something crazy oh, like that. That would be insane, but okay. I, I, six I think that's, it, so that's all we can agree on is that a six in it. I think that's the holding specifically uh, oh, okay. is up 66% uh, so far through two weeks. You know, and even with all that holding, these guys, they can't keep their quarterbacks clean. Yeah, what would happen if they didn't hold? (laughs) (laughs) These guys would all be destroyed. Got a quarter of the league turned over uh, at at the quarterback position already uh, after two weeks. And if they didn't hold, it'd be another uh, seven or eight QBs hurt, I suppose. Yeah. let me get let me get my rant off the chest off my chest. Yeah, about, uh, the floor one- is yours. I know you've got something that's been burning at you since Sunday. Oh, at about three o'clock. And one of the games that we both lost, but it was especially hurtful to me because it was my lock of the week, and it's the 
Los Angeles Clippers going to Detroit and finding a way to put up, uh, let me check my notes here, 424 yards of offense and score 10 points uh, in, in finding a way to lose to uh, to the Detroit Lions uh, by a score of 13 to 10. Uh, just rather arrogant, and I thought so uh, when I read about it, but I didn't bring it up because I, I guess – assumed it wouldn't make a difference. I, I thought the Chargers were that much better of a, of a team and an organization than the Lions, uh, that it would make a difference. But very arrogant of the, of the Clippers, of the Chargers, to go with their punter as a place kicker uh, instead of signing one of a, of a million kickers that are out there on the street rattling their cups, trying to get loose change. There's a million of them there. You can go to any street corner and find a place kicker uh, that, that broke his record at uh, Texas A&M university, uh, but couldn't get drafted and, and is now selling uh, insurance. There's so many kickers out there that you can get off the street and have a bunch of tryouts and pick somebody up. Uh, but when the uh, chargers had a, a, an injured place kicker, they decided, Hey, look, our, our punter used to be a decent place kicker in college. We'll just use him as the punter. Um, and, and it obviously backfired badly to, with a couple of missed field goals. Um, a lot of other problems in that game for the Chargers. So it wasn't all on the, on the kicking, but that was just that, – that really stuck out to me like a sore thumb, that you got a guy kicking for you that you didn't hire as your kicker, you hired as your punter. And, of course, it makes sense that he's going to mess up some field goals because the kickers, the actual place kickers in the NFL, a lot of them are not very good, and a lot of them mess up on their field goals. So I don't know why you would think your punter would do any better than any of those guys. And it's it's the cheap franchise striking again. If you remember back when the Chargers had situations trying to to sign their draft picks, they seemed to be the last team to sign their first-round pick every year because they were trying to put language in their contracts to try to offset some, some of the guaranteed money should different things happen uh, that they didn't want to really guarantee the guarantees, which all other franchises were doing, but only the chargers were, were holding back and trying not to do that. Um, that's just emblematic of, of the franchise. It's the chargers. They're going to pinch every single penny. Uh, and, and this is what happens. You, you get a punter in there trying to kick and he, misses some field goals and you wind up putting up a whole bunch of yardage and, and not getting nearly enough points for that. And it cost me a lock on a, on a team that is clearly better than the team that they lost to. And it just really burned me up. Yeah. Which makes you also wonder if they made these, these moves or non moves with regards to the place kicker, because they were taking this game lightly. And anytime you take an opponent lightly in the NFL, this is the Miami Dolphins. Um, hmm. This will happen. The weakness will always find a way, right? we see it in baseball all the time. If you put a defensive player in out of position, the ball just finds him. And here was a no, game right. the situation. Here was a game with a situation where the biggest weakness they had was this, you know, this punter who, you know, was moonlighting as a field goal kicker and put on the spot to make a couple of field goals, which they clearly could have used. I mean, they, de- they desperately, earlier in the game could have used those extra points because then a, a lion's comeback touchdown at the end just reduces the lead and the lions have to work a lot harder to potentially win that game. But yeah, it, it, that was, that was, that was not a good effort um, for a much better team than what they showed. And 
Well, the Lions, I, I guess the Lions, they've been the Lions the first two weeks, right? They blow the huge lead against uh, Arizona in the desert, end up taking the tie, and then they, they gut out a home win against the Chargers, a, a far superior team. So <laughs> we still don't know what to make of the Detroit Lions. Lions going to Lion. Um, yeah. I don't think. I don't think it was the opponent that made the Chargers do that because this week in week three is a much more difficult opponent in the Houston Texans, and it's a big game, and they're going to need to find a way to, to come back from such a crushing loss. And guess what? They're doing it again. <laughs> they have not learned. After losing a game uh, in, that, yeah. in that manner, in that way, they're doing it again. Again, uh, the Michael Badgley is the – as the actual kicker that's hurt, and uh, they're going with the punter uh, once again to take his place, whose name is unimportant. Um, He's just bad. <laughs> let's see. Ty his name is badly. <laughs> we have badly and badly. Just exactly. take the G out of the guy's name and put that on your punter. Uh, we have a call coming in to oh. join our football party, our first call of the season. Uh, area code 404, please state your name and where you're at, and what's on your mind tonight? Hey, this is Naj in Atlanta, man. What's going on, y'all? Naj, what's going on? Hey, I'm cooling, brother. I'm cooling. How y'all? Hey, welcome back. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I was going to talk about something else, but you just brought up that San Diego, or my bad, Chargers Uh-oh. situation. Oops. Put some uh, money in the tip jar. Right. <laughs> Slipping again. Uh, the Falcons tried this years ago with Michael Cohen. And what happened was, and I don't know why this is not happening this year, but uh, everybody else just decided to go after him because they said, okay, if you don't have anybody else dressed and you've got the punter doing both duties, we're just going to hit him. And we're just going to try to knock him out of the game. Now, this happened two games, and then, uh, you know, that raggedy coach that was there at the time, uh, I can't even call his name right now. Former University of Washington, Jim Moore Jr., him. Uh, uh, so he ended up having to drop somebody and bring in a kicker and uh, kill the experiment. But, uh, yeah, he tried that years ago uh, to try to, you know, steal an extra roster spot. So I, I have no idea why the Chargers are doing this. Uh, no kicker is good enough to keep on the roster at this point to where you're just, you know, you're just rolling out there naked. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, cut the fifty-third guy, the 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 tenth offensive lineman that you don't need or something. It, it's it's really not that big a deal to pay an extra roster spot for a kicker that you only use for a couple of weeks. But that's the, that's the Chargers. I think that's just the the franchise is so cheap from the top down. I think that's just something. And and I like that strategy of of just go ahead and take out the one guy that's left because then you take out the punter and the kicker all at one time. And then what are you gonna do? You're gonna have the the quarterback drop kicker, Doug Flea isn't playing anymore. Oh, you, you should have seen him on the sideline. He threw a fit. He was indignant every time <laughs> they tried to do it. Carolina and I want to say Tampa were the two biggest culprits, but they just went after him, man. <laughs> and after that, he just had to switch it up, and we heard no more about it again. And for a team that plays, you know, really close games like the Chargers, that is a really weird thing. But uh, I, I think we're yeah. seeing that it's, uh, it's no country for old men out here. Uh, guys who can't move, there's only so many rules they can put in place to keep some of these guys upright. And I hate to be the one to tell y'all, but at some point, even Brady's going to get hit in the wrong fashion and it's going to go badly. Like, this this is a weird season to start off, but uh, 
innovative offenses with, you know, people who can move, that appears to be <laughs> that appears to be the thing now, you know. Yeah, everyone's got to find the next uh, Pat Mahomes and and the next Lamar Jackson. You got to find these guys that can get the hell out of the way when they're trying to come kill you. <laughs> right, right. Like I said, there's only so many rules you can put in. But uh, defensively, the thing that sticks out, and I kind of want to hear what you guys think of this, blown coverages, lack of communication. Like, we're not seeing a lot of guys just getting, you know, old school, you know, burnt toast. We're seeing just <laughs> breakdowns all over. Pittsburgh probably the worst example. Uh, no. I don't think their secondary even knows each other. But, like, <laughs> we're just seeing this all the time. Guys running free down the middle or up the sideline uh, just because of communication breakdowns. Or are DCs designing too many hybrid defenses that people don't know well enough to play fast and, and think, on the, you know, at the same time? Or are we just seeing, you know, OCs way ahead of DCs? But uh, just wanted to hear what you guys think of that, man. Well, Jason, what, what do you think of that? I think what you're seeing are a lot of teams that want to run these these intricate defensive schemes getting thrown into confusion at the line of scrimmage when the, with all the movement in these offenses. Because all these teams with this pre, pre-snap formation changes and, you know, guys flaring out of the backfield and – quarterbacks first he's under center then he goes back to you know to the shotgun and then the wide receiver comes next to him. all of this is designed to basically put pressure on the defense and confuse, confuse the hell out of these guys and it it's working I mean I would say that you know offenses right now are ahead of defenses especially these elite offenses are ahead of these defenses I mean you saw you saw the Raiders shut out the Chiefs in the first quarter of that game and then look completely clueless at you know once all of a sudden there's guys just there's dudes just streaking down the field against that Oakland <laughs> secondary. And there is nobody. I mean, Andre and I've always uh, joked about this with the Chicago bears playing what we used to call the vaunted cover zero defense, which was basically, they didn't cover anybody. And, uh-huh. you know, and not just, you know, it just, it, it happens to, it seems to always happen to the Chicago bears more than anything. Not, not, not this, not this version of the Chicago bears, but up until a few years ago, it seemed like they were always good for one or like, one or one or so a game where all of a sudden there's just a dude running completely free down the middle of the field. And then when the ball's thrown to him, there's nobody even on the TV screen when he catches it. Mm-hmm. And, Cobb and, made a lot of money off of that. Red, <laughs> <Randall> <laughs> Cobb and Steve Smith. I mean, we can, we can go back through yeah. history here. There's a lot oh, of yeah. Reggie Wayne. Didn't Reggie win mean, the Super Bowl? I mean, then, yeah, then it was the Super Bowl. Yes. Some vaunted cover zero. And uh, yeah, it's, I think what you have is a lot of offenses that, are giving a team a look and a lot of these teams can go multiple out of that look. So you can get a, the same look over and over and over again. And I think it's, but basically the whole, the whole point of offense is to move the ball down the field on the defense. So they're just trying to confuse these guys. And I think with all of these intricate schemes on both sides that they're running, you know, it's not just that you're seeing defenses that are thrown at offenses that they haven't seen before but these defenses are seeing offenses that they've never seen before. I feel bad for anybody who's got to play the Rams or the chiefs um, or the saints, any of these teams where you've got these real, you know, high thinking they're playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers type offensive, uh, you know, coordinators and head coaches, because these guys don't have much of a chance. We saw it in the Atlanta Philly game where Jim Schwartz just decided that I was, he was going to go caveman for the whole game and just keep doing all these zero blitzes against Matt Ryan. And 
it worked and worked and worked and worked. And then they finally get to that final play. They get to that fourth Uh-oh. down play. And somebody on the Falcons finally realized that we need to get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hand fast instead of just letting him get destroyed for the whole game. And a, a pass that's three yards behind the line of scrimmage goes 54 yards for a touchdown. So I got to cover that Julio Jones guy. Oops. <laughs> oh, yeah, that best but, receiver in football. The, the over there, credit, yeah. they, they, they do have the worst corners in the league. Like, he's trying everything he can to yeah. cover them up. But their corners are terrible. Yeah, and, I mean, um, and Atlanta blocked that up perfect. But, I mean, if you're a team who's basically just getting destroyed by this, you know, man coverage zero blitz every time over and over, and Matt Ryan's just taking lumps the whole game, and you're still in the game, and you've got to play in your back pocket, I mean, they, they pulled it out. So it just goes yeah. to show you that, you know, all it takes is that one back-breaking play, and all of a sudden you've got the the lineman, it was Jake Matthews, goes and runs out and pancakes one DB, and Mohamed Sanu just kind of gives a love tap to the other one. And that was literally all it took for a 54-yard <laughs> game-winning touchdown. <laughs> that was schoolyard. I mean, it was just schoolyard. It was just like, oh, my God, everybody on the other team is running at me. Let me just go, ah, here, you take the ball. <laughs> I definitely agree with Jason about the. the <laughs> I definitely agree about the all the offensive uh, movements and schemes designed to basically confuse the defense before the snap and and uh, get them out of their sync and whatever they were trying to do. Uh, in addition to that, I was looking back at uh, statistically uh, the the angle that I would take is the three teams last year that allowed the least amount of yards per pass attempt all at 6.3 were the Bills, the Ravens, and the Bears. And what they all have in common to me off the top of my head is veteran defensive backs under the same defensive scheme with the same coordinator for a long time. And I think that's a big key as well. You got so many free agents that come in and try to get on the same page with the, with whatever scheme is there. And you got so many D coordinators moving around and, and getting fired and, new schemes being brought in. I think the the big key to me is keeping the guys there in the system that know what to do, having them grow and become a, a unit to where they know where their teammates are, even if their backs turn and they're not exactly looking at the whole field, they still know, Hey, homeboy's got my back. Cause for the last three years, I know that he's been in that same spot. So we know what we're doing. He knows what I'm doing and I know what he's doing and staying with, uh, consistency and continuity under the same system with the same uh, defensive coordinator. When you got all these guys moving around from team to team and you got all these coordinators moving as well, you're just going to create situations where guys just are, are going to have blown coverages just because they haven't played together and they haven't been in that same scheme before. And you're going to just open yourself up for more confusion that way. Right. So, so the common sense thing would be to say, okay, these guys are playing cover three, giving up underneath stuff but they're not giving up the back-breaking thing. Let's simplify and do that as opposed to trying to do all this intricate stuff to where you're, you know, trying to outsmart everybody and end up outsmarting yourself. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, man, because this is, this is getting out of hand. And uh, another tip, I, I, I know I threw the Brady one out, so y'all going to hold me to that one. But uh, Cam Newton will be shut down in a few weeks. That shoulder Ooh. is pastrami. Uh, they're mm. trying to lie about it and say, say the foot is the major problem. But, no, that shoulder is the issue. Remember, Luck got the surgery. Cam chose to do rehab two years ago, and it's gotten much, much worse. He doesn't know where that ball is going. That's why you see him missing high and missing low because he's trying to aim it. 
And you just wait, man. They're going to shut them down soon. They got the season ticket holders' money already, so you know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, this was this goes back to last season. I mean, uh, you and I, Trey, yep. spent most of last season pretty much like, ah, uh, he's hurt. <laughs> we, I mean, Carolina <laughs> became a pretty easy, like an automatic fade in the picks after a while because you just realized that, that there's just something wrong with Cam. Cam Newton could not throw the football. And if he just stands mm-hmm. there and tries to run the football, he, he gets he gets killed because they don't call the penalties on him. He's too big of a target. When you've got a hundred and seventy pound D B trying to take down Cam Newton, no matter how hard he hits him, it just doesn't look it doesn't look violent. And I don't think that the, the a lot of these penalties are called aren't called because they're they're dirty hits. They're called because they look violent. So I think mm. the officials just throw the flag now at the at the appearance of violence. And it's very hard <laughs> to hit Cam Newton in a way to make it look like you hit him hard. <laughs> right, exactly. Same as Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. both of those guys have more. You know, those guys probably have. You know, I mean, Roethlisberger's obviously had a longer career to this point, but Roethlisberger is probably playing in the body of a forty-five or a fifty-year-old quarterback, and, and Cam Newton can't be that far off. Right. God, it's like it's like me at the or- at the orthopedist. He told me my knees are forty-three <laughs> going on sixty-three, so I think I'm dealing with the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, and you think about before, uh, you know, Haley and them convinced uh, Ben to get into the little, you know, getting rid of the ball quicker. Uh, those years before, man, when he was throwing guys off him in the pocket and hanging tough, so to say. Pump fake, and pump, just fake, pump, the, fake right, pump fake, pump fake, yeah. Right. <laughs> man, it's like body punches, man. That stuff accumulates over the years, man. Oh, yeah. But uh, No doubt. Yeah, but I'm going <laughs> to get out and listen to you guys, man. Good luck tomorrow. Uh, please, 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 right? Like, you know, for all for all this love in Vegas, man, don't put any money, any money on the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Well, there's a pro. There's a pro tip. Will be interesting Indeed. to see in the second hour here. What what we both think about the Ravens and the Chiefs. Yeah, Nash right, got the hot tips tonight down there. Thanks, Nash. Hi, right, Joe. <laughs> Nash in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our better callers, always. Uh, always good to hear from Definitely. him. Definitely. <laughs> no, no draft parties. No, no draft parties. Uh, no mentions of Mike Mitchell. Yes, we no, appreciate no all of that. Mike Mitchell is soon to be in the Hall of Infamy. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, and in in a way, for a reason that none of us ever could have imagined. Uh, <sighs> anyway. Uh, so he brought up that that uh, Falcons comeback. Uh, yeah, I brought that Eagles one up when I was. Weekend. Yeah, well, that was because that was the whole game, right? That was the yeah. that was the whole game in a nutshell. I mean, all the Philly DBs and receivers seem like they're getting injured. So Jim Schwartz, like I said, he just goes he just goes completely Stone Age caveman here and just decides that I'm just going to pummel these guys into oblivion with this blitz and almost worked. I mean, they came to a fourth and three away from that working. There it is. That uh, the the most obvious turning point of any game uh, the entire weekend, I believe, uh, and it's uh, erased a heroic MVP like comeback too by a, a clearly hurt Carson Wentz. There's another quarterback getting banged around already in week two, but he played through it and almost led the the Eagles all the way back. He did lead them back into who, the lead. Who, who didn't get hurt on the Eagles? Yeah, everybody pretty much. I was waiting for Frank Reich to suit up. Well, not Frank (laughs) Reich. uh, Doug Johnson. uh, Jesus. Yeah, Doug Johnson, right? Uh, 
Brad Jones, Doug Johnson? Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Doug, I've got I've okay. got all my bad old quarterbacks confused. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for Doug Peterson to suit up there. Yeah, he, he probably could have. Uh, and so, but wins plays through that, leads to comeback, and all Philadelphia needs to do now is hold Atlanta down under three minutes, uh, under three minutes to go, and they forced that fourth and three, and they've been doing that zero blitz that you've been talking about. So, Mad Ryan saw that at the times. line of scrimmage. That was the seventh time they ran it, I believe. And Maddie, I finally saw it and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> they had the right play I'm call. Not, uh... I'm not yeah. going to sit here and popped again. We're going to do yeah. this bubble screen out to Julio Jones and hope that he can do something because yeah. I can't do nothing right now with all these guys rushing and trying to kill me. Um, yeah, Ryan and perfect... checked into that play and – yeah, it was perfect. perfect. I mean, you could not draw that up any better than what that did because you basically made it a three on two game. And that was all, that the whole game came down to everything happening out there left of the hash with a three on two. You had two blockers and a wide receiver on two defenders. And that was it. And then and Julio Jones, from all for, of them. man, for a big dude, man, he moves. Oh. Man, he's, he's, now he's a real Hall of Famer, that dude. Yes. One of the best I've ever seen do it. Um, and he'll get his due being down there in Atlanta. If he played for New York, oh, my God. Yeah. And, and a game that Atlanta clearly needed. I mean, you couldn't go oh, down yeah. 0-2 in that. You couldn't go down 0-2 in that division with, with Drew Brees going down. I mean, you you needed to get back to 1-1 one one here um, to at least stay afloat. In a division where uh, the, the Panthers – are losing Cam Newton and they don't look very good. Yeah. The Bucks, the Bucks are the Bucks, and the Saints are without Drew Brees for a minimum six weeks with that busted up thumb, and that hurts. I, I got to tell you, I mean, you know, I mean, when we were playing high football in high school, I was always playing the quarterback, and I mean, when you get your arm hit anywhere on the follow through after you throw a football, it hurts. Mm. I mean, he mm-hmm. got it on the thumb, so he torqued that thumb and twisted that thumb and hurt it really bad. But I'll tell you, you get hit anywhere below there, you get it on the wrist or anywhere from the wrist to the elbow on that follow-through. I mean, everything goes out of whack. Your arm front, your forearm hurts, your shoulder's flying out. I mean, that is painful when you throw the football. And you see it, you used to see it all the time. I don't, you don't see it anymore with the quarterback hitting his hand on the helmet of his lineman. <laughs> you used to see that a lot. Um, yeah. We haven't seen that one in a while, but yeah, this was just hand-on-hand contact. This was just a defender putting his hand out in front of a pass, and Drew Brees on that follow-through, um, just the, their hands just smacked, and boom, thumb. Yep, saw the replay of it a million times during that game. Uh, Aaron Donald uh, in the middle of the rampage, <clears throat> rampage yeah. that he was doing that in, the entire game takes out Drew Brees' hand, second drive into the game, so that thing was pretty much over uh, right then and there. Uh, but, but we also did get head, some ref- referee shenanigans in that game too. Again, the, the Saints again, again getting getting screwed <laughs> by the refs. Uh, I don't now, even know what to say about that. Changing, just... I still think the Rams win this one, even if that had gone the Saints' way. They're the Rams, the, uh, the, the, the the Saints weren't doing anything offensively after Drew Brees got hurt. Right, but but it's it was just, just awful to, to to see the ball come out and you like is that a fumble i'm not sure is that was that incomplete and anytime it's it's unsure like that you don't blow the whistle you're not supposed don't to blow the whistle, whistle. at 50 play. 50 call like that let it let it go yeah. Yeah, but somebody saw incomplete and said nope definitely incomplete we're blowing it dead and meanwhile the uh, saints are running the other way for a touchdown which didn't yeah. count but yeah again and you know it hasn't it hasn't been talked about 
with this Drew Brees injury because everybody's just more all, you know, because he's, he's an ambassador for the game and he's, he's a titan of football. But his arm, he's been lo- losing the fastball for a while. And we saw it really bad in the second half of last season. And now you throw a hand injury in on top of that. Uh, maybe the rest will be good for his arm and he'll come back refreshed and maybe they go on a run in the second half. But he, he's clearly not the the deep ball passer that he was even two or three years ago. Yeah, that's tough to be uh, over 40 years old and lose half a season yeah. to, and now, to an and, injury. Yeah, and, you, and, you know, throwing the football requires you to be able to hold it and squeeze it. And he you can't do really it. do that. Yeah. He and name it George ball on the sideline and said, Oop, not, Nope, not going to happen. Just yeah. immediately drop the ball. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. He's going to hug it and squeeze it and name it George. <laughs> the uh, first Teddy Bridgewater drive after he came in was, was so uber ugly that it really makes me wonder about the Saints season going forward completely. Uh, it was, he got a couple first downs and then uh, Aaron Donald stopped Alvin Kamara for a six yard loss. There was a tight end screen that worked, but it was erased by a holding penalty. There was a catch and run by Camaro that was erased by a block in the back. There was a wide receiver screen that went backwards and lost yardage. There was a third down screen that was covered up, so Teddy had to, to turf it. I can't remember the last time the Saints went the wrong way on a whole drive like that. And yeah. I, I think that's that's a really foreboding sign for the Saints uh, until Drew Brees comes back. I don't think uh, New Orleans is, is – going to challenge too many people with Teddy Bridgewater under center. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking up and down the schedule here. Um, I, I do have to take a moment here to pat myself on the back for one of the greatest getting cute picks of all time. <laughs> Last week on the show, when I said the bears would beat the uh, Broncos by two, which ended up being a push for us. But I said, I was still taking the Broncos because on the NFL pick watch site, I had the Broncos at plus two and a half. And then for me and you, I said, well, if I've got the bears winning and it's that low of a spread, I'm going to take the bears anyways, but it ends up being a push on our picks. And I still get the win on the pick watch site because the bears won by exactly points. So we don't get that cute that often. And, and have something like happen. I had it as a 19-17 game, and it went down 16-14, but awful game. What an awful game. <laughs> I mean, you, you got two offenses that are clearly going to, to struggle because one quarterback is young and still trying to figure himself out, and the other is Joe Flacco. The other, and, old, the other one's old and done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Besides that, both defenses are, are – one is excellent and one is pretty damn stout. Um but yeah, that was more referee situations going on with some of those calls. Uh, the Bradley Chubb uh, roughing the quarterback call on Mr. Trubisky was way less severe than the hit that that wound up killing Nick Foles and breaking his clavicle. Um, but they got the the body of the weight call on on that particular play on on Chubb that helped the Bears get anywhere near field goal range. Then of course there's the situation with the clock going to zero and, and wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not dead. They decided to go back and put an extra second on the clock and allow uh, the, the game winning field goal. So many of my coworkers, like several, more than one, more than two of my coworkers came up to me Monday morning and said, Hey man, sorry about the bears. I saw they lost. And I'm like, um, no, they, they actually, they actually won. No, no, they didn't. I saw that they lost. So obviously whatever, 
football was going on locally had flashed a final of the, ah, the Broncos okay. Bears before uh, the referees went back and said, no, we're going to put another second on the clock. And, and that was, yeah, you, that that's another situation that should never happen. You should never have it where it goes to, to zero and it's not immediately uh, blown by the referees and, and signal that, wait a minute, this is not over. To, but obviously they thought it was completely over. They, they got the final score sent into the studios and, and beamed around the country uh, and, and they had to go back and change all of that. So just a weird game in Denver. The Bears escape with that two-point victory. Yeah, you uh, you talk about getting cute and, and having it come through. I, that, that was that was quite impressive. That was quite the Houdini act you pulled there. Thank you. Yeah, to take to take a to get a portion of win on a two and a half point spread like that, uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. Uh, I got the home team here. You know, the hometown team. I got to watch that game it was the Packers and the Vikings. And you know, your first first quarter, quarter and a half, Packers are up to like, you know, fourteen zip really fast. Uh, then twenty one nothing, and you're thinking like, oh wow, this this mad floor offense. They're going to really get this going. They were turning over the. Vikings and then just just like last year in that week two game the Vikings were valiantly coming back but the Packers defense got stout and the Packers defense also realized that Kirk Cousins was on the other side of the field so just make him beat us and he couldn't do it and he threw one of the ugliest end zone interceptions that you might ever see to end that game basically I thought about you as soon as you threw it soul crushing interception interception. oh my goodness Oh, all I, the I've Vikings used those fans. words before I'm for so Kirk Cousins, sorry. right? Oh. <laughs> Doesn't throw a ton of picks, but what he does, it's those Ooh. picks. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Is that Cash a first from... down? I mean, it was just like, throw it away. First and goal. First and goal. <laughs> just get rid of it. And he just flings it up in the air for anybody to grab on first and goal. Cavs yeah. from Football Sandwich Radio. Kevin one, big... one hell of a play on that ball. And a nice pick. Did the toe tap came down with it, you know. But, Kirk, you can't throw that ball. Oh, my God. Big Vikings fans out there, any Vikings fans, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That that's I, a... I I have not yeah. heard uh, anything from our, our football fan rush uh, cohorts. Because oh, she they... was she was tweeting about it at the time. Okay. She was hot. Yeah. Kirk's, yeah. Kirk's going to Kirk, right? <laughs> Ooh, she was hot. Uh, by the way, Cousins, uh, nine fourth quarter turnovers, nine of them. Uh, in in the last two seasons, that leads the NFL. When you talk about, like you said, when he throws them, he makes them count yeah. in the most painful oh, way. Oh yeah, possible. he's saving the best for last. That's for sure. And and yeah, Green Bay doesn't need more than one good drive a game if they're playing Kirk Cousins. They only needed the one to beat the Bears because of Mitch Trubisky, and uh, yeah. they needed a couple, and that's all they needed against Minnesota because of Kirk. Oh my God, that. And that I, you know, and I. I I talked about before the season started, I was higher on the Packers because I thought they'd have a competent NFL defense and they're passing the test so far. They've only given up 19 points in two games and have won both of their games as divisional opponents. So they're two and Oh in the division. Um, Yeah. Good start for a team that I, uh, that not a lot of people I thought had high expectations for this year. Right. I, I was trying not to give too much credit after one game because that was Mitch Trubisky. Uh, so through, through two games, that's more than one. Uh, so far, so good. So the, the arrow looking up for the Packers defense for sure. Yeah. And, but you're also playing Kirk Cousins, who just gives gifts, Ooh. you know. I mean, he's not, I uh, you know, I, we, we already had a Santa Claus 
You know, Santa Claus retired. Kirk Cousins doesn't <laughs> hand him out enough. Right. Man, uh, when he does, they're, they're the big one. He's like Oprah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like when he I'm not giving too many gifts what away, I do. That's you right. get a car. And you get a car. And you yeah. get a car. You get a win. And you get a win. <laughs> and Yeah, that's Kirk Cousins. He's just giving wins away. He's like Oprah. Uh, so anything else uh, stand out about all the craziness in week two? There's so much that, that went on. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we, we briefly talked about Patrick Mahomes with the, the second quarter. just had to show up for one quarter of football. Um, right. Uh, so you, a lot so of you the, need to beat Murga. A lot of, the, yeah. A lot of the stuff that happened is more consequential for this week's picks. You know, so a lot of the injuries and, and, and the attitudes of the players that are going to be replacing other players, I think, is, is very uh, more informative. I think that's going to come through for when we're talking about the actual picks themselves. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars, though, going for two at the end of that game and not getting Trying to pull it. the Jack and, Del Rio. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were going Riverboat Ron or, or Gambler Jack or, or, or whatever. Either way, I, I had to cover the whole time. I mean, that was a right. huge spread, so I felt pretty good about that one. Um, and uh, that Jacksonville defense, after that first week playing Patrick Mahomes, I think everybody was down on a little bit, plus the Nick Foles injury. But they've shown the last two games that they can still play a little bit of defense. Uh, they're not bad, especially if they keep a hold of their best cornerback, Jalen uh, yeah. Ramsey. Yeah, and as long as they can play Marcus Mariota every time, which we got to see on Thursday night. <laughs> so you can throw the nine sacks up on him. And then uh, hold the tight. That, that was a tough division battle. And, you know, the Jaguars were right there with a chance to kick it to go into overtime. But head coach decided he was going to just go for the win on the road, which is admirable. Uh, but it's even more admirable when you when you do it. <laughs> when you, you actually succeed, get it done. It's much more admirable. And uh, it just that play was blown up from the start. I mean, that was a Leonard Fournette play. And it just didn't, it just didn't. It was never there. Yeah, and that disappointed me because I'm a huge, huge advocate of you need a yard or two yards, and you got a big bruising back like a Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Just, just get, just get it, just get the yard, just get the two yards, and they tried to just get it right up the gut, um, and it got stoned. He was he just barely missed getting in, um, so I was kind of sad to see that because I always root for the the big bruising running yeah. backs. Just, just go get that damn yard. Just be a man and get the yard. Yeah, they, they tried I to get the two, but it didn't work. They already had the cover, so at that point, I'm like, ah, you might as well just win the game. I didn't expect them to, but I was, you know, they might as well just go get that win. Um, but I'm but the other... nobody, nobody on this show complains more than I do about teams that get to the one yard line and then run four throwing. straight, four straight shotgun five wide plays <laughs> and then go four and you know, and then and then turn over on downs because they do four fade passes to the end zone from the one yard. Yeah, that pisses me off. So no, I, I appreciate that you're going to put your faith in your D-line to go out with the Titans or even the Texans. That Those aren't the teams you do that against. They can push back. So you needed to get a little bit more creative there, roll that quarterback out, you know, do something, give, give, give options. But yeah, the, the straight, the straight play right up the middle, it didn't work. And it's like, Oh, okay, let's go home. But the other good news for the Jazz game and also the Thursday night game, not just the defense uh, coming back to, to Saxonville and doing what they're supposed to do, but got to admit it, I got to pull my John Gruden out here. 
I like Gardner Minshew's moxie. I like him. He's he's he leads the something. Guts. He's, <laughs> yeah. no, he's just he's so anti Blaine Gabbard and anti Blake Bortles. He's 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 there, man. He's there for all of this. He's yeah. there to have a good time and 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 show off that terrible mustache and just be him. He's gonna be him yeah. and he's gonna play like he wants to play, which is just go balls out and go for the yeah. big throw, whether it's there or not. And he's he's actually completed a, a few of those. So I and I'll I tell you. He, a, in the first quarter the of that Tennessee, in the first quarter of that Tennessee game when they got the lead, he was dropping some dimes on that Titans defense. Yeah, he was putting some balls in some real nice places. So yeah. uh, they so, they might have it, something there. This is for for a franchise that's been so used to uh, you know Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles yeah. and I mean any semblance of competency at that position, these, these fans don't know what to expect. They'll they'll take whatever they can get. Jacksonville fans, you, you just whatever comes along, if it's any good, just take it and accept it and, and applaud. That's all you can do. And, and for a team that just needs competency from that position, because they do have the defense to keep them in games, unless you're playing Patrick Mahomes. But they <laughs> overall will they'll be in more games than they're not, and they're going to have a lot of games. The Jaguars that are going to go late third quarter and into the fourth quarter that are really close, and you're going to need a quarterback to make a play. And uh, you know, since since Foles got hurt, yeah, Gard Gardu Minshew the second, he's, he's, he has uh, he's acquitted himself adequately at the pro level. And he's got a terrible mustache, and he's proud of it. And and I, I kind of appreciate that. I, I like yeah. that. He definitely doesn't look like a quarterback. He looks like a '70s outfielder from the Pittsburgh Pirates, or an '80s porn star, <laughs> or that. Uh, the only other thing I still had from week two is that I want to just point out that Mike Tomlin has been on my death watch personally for a few years now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got, you, I had Mike McCarthy and you've had Mike Tomlin. And so you get this loss, uh, this come from behind loss that they had on Sunday after Ben Roethlisberger gets knocked out of the game. There's now a plausible out for Mike Tomlin to hold on to this gig for however long that he wants. When you talk about in the last year losing Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and now Ben Roethlisberger, all of them departing, that's plausible for you to look back at your ownership and say, what do you want me to do with that? How am I supposed to win when I lose three players like that? And you know what? I can't argue. I can't argue with anybody who says that Mike Tomlin needs to be given some rope and an extra chance or two uh, not a rope to hang himself, but some some slack uh, because of the injuries and, and the departures from town. When you talk about Ben and Le'Veon and A.B., Jason, we were talking about them as like the next big three, the next triplets. They, we were putting oh, them yeah. on the level with, with, with Aikman and Irvin and, and Emmitt Smith. We thought they were going to be that damn good. Yeah, the killer bees, right? Right, and now they're all gone. All yeah. gone. Le'Veon Bell's kind of playing football still. I mean, he's on the Jets, so take that for what it's worth. And then Roethlisberger is falling apart physically, just completely falling apart. And Antonio Brown, uh, I, I'm going back here to my theory that he, he never properly recovered from that Vontez Perfect hit. <laughs> I think that was the life-changing moment for Antonio Brown. <laughs> he came out of that the other side. Maybe he saw the light or something or – but man, turned his brain into dumplings. Those, 
Those templates, jeez. Those texts, those things, posting pictures yeah. of this lady's kids. This is after the Patriots signed him. What are you doing? Being, I mean, when, being when the AD. Patriots have to cut you, when you do something so bad that the Patriots have to cut you. Yeah, they find out you, about. Uh, yeah, you're done. I, that that is a in uh, by the way an all time, and the Patriots are not getting away with this. For uh, there's a lot of articles being written and a lot of opinions being given about the Patriots' role in all of this. That is an all time level of hypocrisy by the New England Patriots to leak to everyone who would listen that hey, if we knew about this lawsuit coming down from mm-hmm. the lady trainer, we'd have never signed the guy. While turning around and not just uh, keeping him on the team, but installing him into your playbook and and making him a focal point of your offense for the game that you had him. How in the hell did you think you were going to get away with saying we'd have never signed him if we knew about that while still playing him? And and they would have kept playing him and kept holding on to him if he hadn't have went next level and doubled and tripled and quadrupled down and now starting to threaten uh, new victims that are coming forward uh, and threaten their children and stuff like that. Uh, They they would have kept holding on to him. So yeah, just everyone sees what the Patriots are all about. Every day after the Patriots signed him, more came out. Something new came out every day. How was this going to, it's like you could have gotten one of those, the old, you know, like the old school calendars where every day you'd peel off a page you know, mm-hmm. nobody, those desk calendars, nobody has those anymore. Whatever, it sells phones out. But every day you pull off, there's a new AB scandal. We should have that. We should make the AB, <laughs> AB 365 calendar. And on this day, a fourth victim came forward. 365 fun Antonio Brown facts. <laughs> and, and said that he <laughs> took her child out of school pretending to be a, a guardian and, and thread, tried to threaten the child that way. Yeah, this. Every day was something new. Uh, from, yeah, from Antonio so he Brown, had to go, so. and we may have seen we may have seen the end of yeah. Antonio Brown. Who's gonna Who's gonna take a chance on him now? Dolphins. I don't know why anybody. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would want to. Why would you want that on your team? <laughs> Miami could cite him. The Dolphins could cite him. Why not? <laughs> yeah, they've they've gone pretty much uh, as, as far down as you can go. They might as well. You're right. All right, so that craziness in in week two, uh, leading up to week three, boy, what a what a weird week two that was. Um, so now we get ready for our. Yeah, picks. we survived though. We both survived. It wasn't. It was nowhere near as damaging as it could have been. It was looking at some of these. Looking at some of these expert quote unquote. I'd say this with big air quotes. Expert picks. Um, yeah. You know, because I liked that that NFL pick watch that we've been talking up here and you've talked up all last year. Uh, they put a lot of the quote-unquote experts um, from all these different sites and the NFL.com, all of them. They accumulate a lot of these picks, and ooh, some of them are bad. So we're 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 we're, we're hanging in there. I've, on the fan side, of course, there's those like two fans who are having like the start of their lives, you know. Mm-hmm. Good for but them. The experts tend to be we're we're more in line, hanging right around 500. Uh, with most of what are the experts. I mean, generally 500 is sort of the high watermark for, for, you know, anybody who can stay at or above 500 picking every NFL game against the spread is doing pretty good. Yeah. You're going to have uh, out of those group of experts, you're going to have probably the, the top 10 of them are going to be over 500. And then after that is going to be sort of middling and in the middle. So, uh, but you can, you can only go so far, uh, picking some of these games because I'm, I'm 
scared to death. I don't know about you. I can, I can only speak for myself. When you have that much turnover again, with so many quarterbacks yeah. going from, from one, from one quarterback to the next here in week three, uh, you would think that that makes you feel like, yeah, well, this is easy. Those, all those quarterbacks, all those teams that are starting new quarterbacks this week that weren't starting them last week, got to fade all of them because they're starting new quarterbacks. So that makes it easy. But we know it doesn't work out that way. Some of these quarterbacks wind up being like Gardner Minshew and kind of <laughs> provide a, a fresh. I believe Gardner Minshew in his starts is 2-0 and against the spread. And some sometimes that happens. There, there's people that we can remember back in the in the day. There's uh, what was the Tennessee kid Volek? Uh, the, Billy Volek, sure. Yeah, that some people just come out of nowhere and and provide a shot in the arm and, and actually give a boost to a team that you wouldn't expect. So I, I'm I'm frightened. I don't know what the hell's going to happen tomorrow. I have very <laughs> little is, confidence in a lot of these picks. Yeah, I've had yeah, – I am glad you said that. I have less confidence this week than I had last week. Yeah. I mean, we started yeah, off I, with the win, so it's always nice to get the win in the back pocket. You start off, you're at least going to get one. But I look at this week, and I thought week two was always sort of like that, oh, my God, you know. Week two is usually where you separate the men from the boys or all those people who think they're hot shit after week one. They all come crashing back down to earth. It's happened to both of us over the years where you come out 12 and four week one, and then you turn right around and flip that upside down in week two. It's happened many times. Oh, and yeah. we didn't do that. We, we, we were, you know, we had respectable week twos. I mean, this week, though, I'm going through the, you know, what I struggled the most with this week was finding a lock. Oh, I had I got a bit of a story about that. I had a lock and I changed it, and I I know oh. that's not going to work out for me. <laughs> so yes, so the word the first one you had will come through, and the second one oh, you yes. have will not. Yeah. Guaranteed. Well, I guess uh, fifteen games in fifty five minutes. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Uh, first, the uh, the plugs real quick. Uh, you're listening live like Naj and Atlanta did. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. If you want to uh, chat with us and call in on the show, that's the only way you can do it is to listen live on that website. Uh, and the call-in number is there on the website if you're listening live. But if you don't see it in the uh, corner of your screen, uh, it's area code 646-595-4534. Now, this half of the show, we're going to be doing our picks, so we won't be taking any calls. But next week when we do our show, we'll be, uh, be able to take, and call, uh, take calls in the first hour uh, if you want to join the fun and join the football party. Uh, if you want to communicate with the show in other ways, there's email. Send uh, whatever emails you have to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. Uh, you can follow our picks on our blog. The blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. And to listen to this live show, this live two-hour show, and whatever after show we may do afterwards, uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, any number of different podcasting apps, or you can come back here to the live show page and search our archives, all 300 and 20 or 30 or whatever shows uh, we've done yeah, over our seven lot. years. It's a, it's a, lot, a lot of shows. shows. A, lot of, a lot of bad connections, a lot of choppy exchanges, and a lot of, lot of laughs, too. A lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and, and we continue on with our picks and our fun this week for week three of the 2019 NFL season. 
15 games. Yeah, no highlights again. We're just going right down the list. It's a football party. It works. Let's do it. All right. We'll get started in – oops, I should be looking at week three, not week two. That would help. Let's pick last week's games. What are we, Yahoo? Yes. (laughs) I'm going to go 15 and 0. Right. I I I never lose when I pick last week's games. (laughs) (laughs) I'm my own doubt service. We'll start in Indianapolis. Call me now. (laughs) (laughs) The Falcons and the Colts. And the Falcons uh, coming off of the win that we were just talking about on Sunday night against Philadelphia, uh, taking on Jack Brisket and and the Indianapolis Colts. They've been uh, maybe a little more impressive than most of us would have thought. Um, They are both one and one, as it turns out. So Atlanta is only a one and a half point underdog in this spot at Indianapolis. Yeah, a sneaky, a sneaky uh, good Colts team here to start the season. They took the Chargers to the break, although who hasn't, um, back in week one and uh, took that one to overtime uh, with a late comeback and then fell apart in the overtime and then went on the road last week uh, and beat Tennessee in their home opener. And, yeah, it's kind of an uneven start. And then on the other side you have Atlanta, who in week one, it looks extremely terrible on the road in Minnesota, completely inept. And then in week two, they, they gutted out a really tough uh, win against a, basically the mash unit that became the Philadelphia Eagles as that game pro- progressed. Uh, and the fact that they even had to come back late against the team where everybody was hurt uh, showed I mean, they, they, had, they had to have it. I mean, that was the one we Atlanta could not afford to go down 0-2 and they pulled out the big play at the end, and they won. They're going up against a Colts team that's been admirable in the absence of Andrew Luck. Uh, the, the, the defense is still very solid. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Colts here at home in the Dome. I know we love this whole Matt Ryan starting in the Domes thing, but the the, the road splits, the home road splits for Matt Ryan um, are very telling, and this is a good young Colts defense that I think is going to be able to keep them in the game. And the Falcons' defense, even though it's all the guys have come back, I don't think they've got gelled completely yet. And I think that you're going to be able to see the uh, the Colts. Uh, I, I hate to call this an upset because um, they're the favorite, but with the number moving closer to Atlanta off of the, the cop-out line three, I actually feel like betting public is moving the number a little bit more Atlanta's way here. So we're seeing a little action moving towards the Falcons. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the uh, the Colts with the point and a half, what I feel like is it's almost like a gift. Anytime you can get a home team in an even matchup at, you know, a spread like that. Yeah, the Lions fans would have thought that last week, I guess, even more so because <laughs> they were the underdog. But I'm not still bitter about that. Uh, nah, I'm not bitter, really. Um, are we still, by the way, questioning Andrew Luck and why he quit after you see uh, 95 starting quarterbacks go down last week to, to injury? Are we still uh, those of us that were sitting there? <laughs> he didn't have the oh, heart. Andrew Luck. He's gutless. <laughs> they're back in the uh, yeah. They're back in Indianapolis for the first time since that announcement and since they booed Andrew Luck off the field in preseason. Uh, so congratulations, Indy fans. You're you're known for that now. Good job out of you guys. Stay classy, Indianapolis. All you suck. Um, injuries for the Colts. Marlon Mack has a calf injury. He's been great uh, at running back the first couple of weeks, but he might be a little banged up. Uh, more importantly for me, uh, and what swayed my pick is no Darius Leonard. Uh, the the 
preternatural linebacker for the Colts who just yeah. seems to roam from sideline to sideline and tackle anything that moves. He's hurt. He's not going to play in that game. Uh, it, it would be so Falcons, I guess, for them to springboard, uh, to not springboard off the Philly win and, and wind up taking a step back uh, against the Colts. But I think this is a real big help for the Colt, uh, for the Falcons that uh, Darius Leonard is not out there. That allows Atlanta to establish some sort of running attack, which they haven't been able to do so far this year. Uh, so I think finally uh, Freeman gets some room to roam and helps Atlanta open up their offense a little bit for, for Matty Ice uh, for another dome game for Matty Ice, one of uh, 10 that he's going to have the first 10 weeks of the season. Uh, I understand it's on the road, but I think they do use that momentum from the Philly win and, and, and go off of that and get the victory. So I will take Atlanta and I'll take one and a half points. I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Uh, well, I hope to... you're right. That's the Falcon fan in me. The, uh, the, highlight of the weekend is probably this Ravens uh, Chiefs game that everyone's talking about the uh, incendiary on fire quarterbacks for, for this one, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So uh, two and O versus two and O trying to find that game on my list here. Uh, The only, I think that's the only two and O matchup uh, for the week. The only game that features both uh, teams undefeated. So uh, it's going to be a good one. It, it probably will be over as far as the points. Um, but the Ravens are the underdogs to the uh, prohibitive, uh, maybe uh, AFC co-contenders, favorites, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens are five-and-a-half-point dogs at the Chiefs. Surprising the movement on this line, uh, maybe to mirror a little bit what Naj was saying, because this was seven a lot of the week. Uh, this was a six to seven point spread that we've seen now sneak down to five and a half. Um, Naj is all the way. I gotta say it. I'm, I agree with Naj. I'm completely on board here with the uh, with the Chiefs. The Ravens' first two wins against the Dolphins and the Cardinals. <laughs> the, 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 we, we joked about it, but that's who you beat. You beat the Dolphins and the Cardinals. You you beat South Dakota State and Southern <laughs> Florida. Or you know, it doesn't get any worse or better when you want to start off and give your, you know, your, your new starting quarterback going fresh into the season, a soft landing. He got those two teams and, you know, and they beat the, they beat the dolphins like a, like a drum. Uh, And that's Cardinals. They, they hung around, but you never really felt like the Ravens were in fear or danger of losing that game. But they, yeah, they let the, they let them still around, stay around a little bit. Kyler Murray's showing off uh, some arm talent early here in the season, you know, catching a few people by surprise. That's good for him. Team's still garbage. This is the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. This is a whole different animal. This, this is Patrick Mahomes who can light you up from anywhere, anytime. And if this ends up coming down to being a shootout, I don't trust Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Kansas city's defense because of the crowd, one of the top home field advantages in football will play better than they would have. Let's say if this game was in Baltimore, uh, this to me, the five and a half feels like a, feels like a major gift. Uh, you know, it's seven, eh, but five and a half. I love it. And in a week of total uncertainty, I love it enough that it's my lock of the week. Oh, Wow. Man, I was. If it's coming stunned. down to between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, I'm not taking the Ravens. <laughs> not yet. Maybe in the future, but not right now. 
uh, I, I was stunned when when Nash said that it just completely fade the Ravens this week. And I, I I love the Chiefs as much as anyone because I got them in the Super Bowl. So I you know obviously I have a lot of respect uh, for what they've been doing. Um, uh, by the way, injury front Baltimore without their best cornerback Jimmy Smith, which is a problem. That's not good of course, news. <laughs> that's that's not good news against the Chiefs at all. But of course, the Chiefs without their best wide receiver Tyreek Hill. So a little bit of a evening out process possibly there. And also their left tackle, Eric Fisher, is out. Uh, but, yeah, these two quarterbacks through the first two weeks are just on another level. It's only two weeks, of course. But uh, also each is a great test for the for the opposing defense because we, we know the Ravens have been very good for a long time. Uh, the Chiefs have, are trying to get much better this year. They're trying to really go all the way uh, and, and really – put a lot of resources into their defense in the off season. So for them to get Lamar Jackson now is a great test. And also for the Ravens to get Patrick Mahomes is of course the ultimate test because no one's playing better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is a rematch from last year, uh, late in the year when the chiefs won in overtime 27 to 24 in week 14 uh, behind the Pat Mahomes comeback victory, the, the Lamar Jackson and the Ravens were actually doing damage against the the Chiefs' defense, which was, of course, much more woeful than it is right now. Um, and Mahomes led a, a very good comeback. Uh, so the Chiefs won that one despite Baltimore rushing for 198 yards as a team. And that will be a definite, definite uh, first indicator tomorrow. If the Ravens are destroying the Chiefs on the ground again in the first quarter and run for like 50, 60, 70 yards, then it's going to be a very, very – long day for Kansas City, no matter how great Pat Mahomes might play. Uh, I guess I respect the Ravens' defense a lot more than a lot of people. When you talk about who can possibly do anything with Pat Mahomes, what defenses in the league can possibly rein, not rein in, but uh, at least hold the Chiefs somewhat in place, the Ravens are one of the few defenses that I think might have a chance to hold the Chiefs in place. And again, like I said, missing Tyreek Hill, who's one of the best playmakers in football. I understand there's been a lot of depth and a lot of guys coming out of nowhere and contributing, and Sammy Watkins has been awesome uh, and, and all of that. Like they, they find someone else to step up and, and take right. the place of the others. I, I, I get all that. Uh, but I just feel like combining uh, what, the, what the Ravens offensively have been able to do the first couple of weeks with what defensively they might do to Kansas City I just think it's going to be closer than most people think. So I actually like Kansas City to win the game, but by a small margin. And so I'll take the Ravens and the points. So we'll be against each other on a lock, I think, for the first time all year. Um, But I just thought that was – and I think uh, most other people think the line was disrespectful to what the Ravens are capable of. Like you said, it opened at seven, and now it's moving down uh, more towards the Ravens. So more people are throwing more money. I'm the Ravens. I, I think it's going to be a really good game, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than than, than some people think, especially Naj and Atlanta. You know, my fear, uh, my fear for so you have this as your lock? Oh no. Oh okay. No, You're just I, agreeing I with me on a lock. That's fine. Um, right, no, that's, but the, the whole thing for me is, I still think in my mind, the last time I saw Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens play a meaningful football game was that playoff loss against the Chargers. Because those first two weeks, it it was they weren't playing NFL teams. 
This is going to be their right. first test. So we might all think that Lamar Jackson's going to be the, the greatest quarterback of all time because he's got these like just crazy high numbers for the first two weeks. But I'm, put, I'm trying to put this in context that they were playing a team that is tanking and a team that just got done tanking. Understood. Uh, but then, the, the uh, further context is to say that they're going against now a team tomorrow that ranked 31st in the league last year in pass defense. So I understand oh, sure. they made a lot of improvements. Sure. So is, but it's not like the Ravens are going from that to Alabama. Again, back to the college. They're not right. going from Jacksonville state to now playing Alabama. They're going from co- complete garbage to something better than complete garbage, but maybe not all that much better. Yeah. Now, if this game is in Baltimore, I might be, it, I, I might not be so secure, but I think in Arrowhead, this is going to be, I think this is going to be something. We'll definitely all have our eyes on that game. Uh, the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills are not compelling at all. I don't think there'll be a lot of eyes on this game, but it goes into the batch of games all year that I have absolutely no feeling about, no no, no idea, no good feeling whatsoever on the Bengals. How can anyone have a good feeling on the Bengals? They're already the, the Jekyll and Hyde team. They're already yep. trying to compete for that because they were so much – better in week one that everyone expected. And then last week they just completely bent over and got anally probed. Oh, that was um, embarrassing the, what they, what they had to, <laughs> done to them by the, by the 49ers. I mean, my God. And, and who the hell knows what the Buffalo bills are, because how do you judge yeah. what they are based off of playing the jets and the, and, and the giants. So no idea uh, with them either. Uh, in any event, uh, you do have 0-2 versus 2-0, so the spread is kind of big. Predictably, the Bengals are six-point underdogs at the homestanding Bills. Yeah, and the Bengals' offense, the first week without A.J. Green, way more admirable than what I expected. And then last week, they just got, got and just get absolutely creamed by the 49ers on the road going uh, going east, which that just can't happen. So you got the Bills, the surprising 2-0 Buffalo Bills. Um, defense is stout again. Josh Allen's getting just enough done at the quarterback position. What I do not like is that their rookie running back is hurt. Um, that the Devin Singletary, he's out for the game, it looks like. So he might not be out there. won't be out there playing tomorrow. So there's a safety uh, blanket that's going to be gone. They got rid of LaShawn McCoy, cause, so he's back on the Chiefs now under Andy Reid. So I'm actually going to take the Bengals here as a sneaky cover, but not to win the game. I think this one can stay close. I think the Bills are going to win ugly a lot this year. This isn't going to be as bad as the win and ugly Titans of a few years ago, but I, I don't know what the Bills are going to do with prosperity, and I definitely don't like the Bills, a very defensive heavy team, as a six-point favorite. Yeah, it's going to be Frank Gore and bums out there for the Bills uh, in, the, in the backfield. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they get New England in week four, the Buffalo Bills do, so uh, there's a chance they're overlooking Cincinnati as well and maybe underestimating them because of how bad the Bengals played last week. And the Bengals, of course, still don't have A.J. Green. Um, left tackle Cordy Glenn is down as well. Um, yeah, there's just no telling. Uh, so I, when I say I have very little confidence in this one, uh, I – did all my little machinations and spit out the uh, bills by seven. And so they're favored by six. And therefore oh, I have to take Buffalo. Go. I don't feel good about that at all. Believe <laughs> this is a low confidence game for you. Extremely low. Uh, onto the Broncos and the Packers up there in your neck of the woods in Wisconsin. 
um, and the Denver Broncos are coming in at 0-2 and scuffling along. They very easily could have been 1-1 last week if the referees would have let the game expire like they maybe should have. Um, And Green Bay at 2-0, but maybe you see it differently and not all that impressive 2-0. Maybe the offense is still gelling or going to come together, but uh, at the moment they kind of look like they've got a, a lot of growing pain still to go through. Nonetheless, in Lambeau with a very unimpressive offense on the other end in the Broncos. Denver is a big dog, seven and a half point dogs at the Packers. Yeah, after that opening twenty-one nothing burst out of the Packers, which was just you know one of those, you know the, you you won the first big game, you go home, everybody's jacked up. Sometimes you see that the home team or somebody who's really fired up, they come out and they just jump out to this huge lead, and then the real game starts. And after that point, after that 21 zip, the Packers didn't score another point and just hung on for dear life for the rest of that game. Um, and a Broncos team coming in here that plays really good defense, that they're, they're, there's all pros on that defense against an offense that I don't think is you know, even close to what it's going to potentially be as they start to learn a new system. And they, they, they just look they look discombobulated. They're just sort of, they're out of sorts. Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to be doing his usual magic. I haven't seen him jump anybody off sides <laughs> this year yet, which was always oh, the biggest move. offensive play. It's his only move. Uh, <laughs> that was like Mike McCarthy's whole offense for a few years, which is wait for Aaron Rodgers to get the other team to jump and throw a bomb and, uh, you know, maybe get a DPI or uh, a big completion down the field. I, I don't well, know. Other move they, is to uh, catch fourteen guys off the on the defense trying to switch yeah. and go off the field and catch them with too many men on the field and snap the ball yeah. real quick. Another uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Vic Fangio coming back to coaching Green Bay, where he had coached that Bears defense pretty successfully, uh, I would say, the last several seasons. He gets this Broncos team, and they've played. They've acquitted themselves fairly well. I like the Packers here in a low-scoring game, so I'm going to take the Broncos and the points. So here's one we'll uh, totally agree on. I like the Packers in a low-scoring game, and I will also take Denver in the points, and don't think I really have to get into too much about that. Uh, Denver does get their best uh, leading tackler from last year, Todd Davis, back from injuries, so that will help as well. They need all the help they can get with Aaron Jones because he looks like he might be starting to rev up. Uh, Moving on from that to uh, Detroit and Philadelphia, the Lions – who should have lost last week, quite frankly, but I'm not bitter. I'm trying not to be bitter. The uh, The Lions are undefeated. They're 1-0-1. So, go oh. Detroit. <laughs> uh, and the Eagles are 1-1. So, that means they're worse than the Lions, right? Is that how that works? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, oh, okay. Um, loss in any event, is worse than a tie. It, it, it's still worse than a tie. Although in some cases the tie might be worse than a loss if you really deserve that win, like a, we like we were saying that Detroit loss, that that and one hanging win. out there on yeah. their record, <laughs> that might be worse yeah. than actually losing the game. Um, in any event, the Lions are four and a half point dogs at Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Yeah, so the Lions blow it in Week One. Last week they they eke out a win against the Chargers team that probably pretty much just you know shot itself in the foot. Um, with with some shenanigans and some really and again Philip Rivers with a very poorly timed interception at the end of that game when all they needed was a uh. field goal to to go up yeah nothing went right for the Chargers in that game and uh, the Lions escaped with a victory I I don't see it going so well here for ass clown on the road I think that the Eagles <laughs> even though the Eagles are completely banged up 
uh, both sides of the football, they are still much more of a class uh, team and class organization. And they still have, even with all the injuries, they still have playmakers playing at home against a dome team trying to go outside on the road here in Philadelphia. I'm going to go ahead and I, and if, if the Eagles were at full strength, this would be even, even a bigger line. So again, the four and a half feels a little gifty. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Eagles here. And uh, I think they handle the lions pretty easily. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson out. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey hasn't practiced all week. He's probably not going to play. So when you talk about the firepower for the Eagles, definitely taking a couple of chinks in the armor there, but the Eagles are sort of known for their depth and having other playmakers come on. So uh, if Nelson Aguilar uh, busts out for 120 yards tomorrow, don't be surprised at that. Um, for Detroit, this wound up swaying my pick. Uh, Gerard Davis, their middle linebacker, his ankle is still an issue, and they, they will not give any kind of definitive answer on when they might expect him back. And that's looking like it's going to be a serious thing. And it's been affecting them already. Uh, rushing yardage allowed this year, Arizona, 112 yards. And the, the Clippers last week, even without Melvin Gordon, they gave up a buck 37. So uh, look for Philadelphia to actually have a, 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 another avenue to, to work on, not just Carson Wentz throwing, but I think they're going to run for 130 yards uh, as a team and, and use that as a springboard to sort of hold – the, the, the Lions at bay uh, and hold hold them off. And like you said, four and a half point spread for a, a team that's clearly much better. The Eagles are much better than the Lions. Uh, that does feel like a little bit of a gift. So I'll concur with you and take the Eagles there. Okay, here we go. These, these big ass point spreads. Let's go to Miami and Dallas. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've talked so much about the Dolphins already. In this show, uh, the Cowboys, uh, and it pains me to talk anything about them uh, that's nice, but through two games, they look awesome right now. Uh, and now they draw the Dolphins uh, at home. And how much more easy of an assignment can you possibly get? You're talking about the how, what was the last time we've seen this many 20-point spreads? I, I don't think we've ever seen two like this in a week. Uh, so for this particular one, 22 and a half is where that stands at the moment. And I can't believe I'm seeing that about an NFL game. And it's not week yeah. 17 where people are playing their, their bench guys yeah. or something like that. Or the, was, that season with the perfect Patriots, where I believe they were playing the dolphins and had a 20, a uh, 21 and a half or a 20 and a half point spread. Um, well, it was your, it was your turn last week to dip the toe in the pool and test the water. Uh-oh. I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to go ahead. Uh-oh. I'm going to actually take, the 22 points couple of reasons here unlike you i do actually believe that josh rosen might be the only guy on that team who gives a care he gives a <laughs> shit about anything i think and he's also more mobile than ryan fitzpatrick was in that woeful offensive line now minus laramie tunsil he's going to be back there having to run around and make some plays and he might accidentally run himself into a few plays um i'm also very curious to see about the psyche of a jason garrett coached team what, how they're going to handle a team that they should just clearly dominate and throttle. I think there is almost like a, 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 like a laziness that can come from being such a huge favorite where you almost have the expect to show up and win mentality. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys and the, and the Dolphins are, are, are somewhat tight way too long into this game. And then the Cowboys, uh, they, they, they crank it up late. Um, but when I was looking at the final score of this game, I came up with 30 to 10. 
and that's a cover. <laughs> it is. Uh, 33 to 10 would that be, so you're hoping for no, no extra eight field goals. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is so weird, this this whole thing with the Dolphins. It's, it's almost impossible to yeah. pick them because as I, I really thought last week would be their sort of Super Bowl. If they were ever going to get up and act like professionals, that would be the, the game at home against the Patriots, against the hated rival Patriots, uh, a team that actually played not just well against historically, but actually know how to, to win uh, in, in that stadium against the, the, the Patriots. And they look so inept uh, in every phase. And now they go to play uh, this Cowboys unit that's that's humming on on all cylinders right now. Um, it, I, I gotta admit, I'm probably still butthurt from picking the Dolphins last week and watching them do that. So I'm gonna be probably against them for a long time, if not the whole rest of the year. But this specific matchup, and I like your point that I actually had not thought about uh, how do the Cowboys handle being a prohibitive favorite, which they usually are not. Uh, do they have the, the maturity to do what they're supposed to do to a team like this? Uh, but my initial blush, and I'm going to stick with it, is that this is a team that's not trying versus a team that loves to run and grind things out and, and try uh, to do things that way. Physically, the Cowboys should run for 300 yards against the Dolphins tomorrow. They should just run and run and run, and the Dolphins aren't going to stop them. And Dak Prescott will stop the run at the 20-yard line so we can get a cheap touchdown and get the glory. But other than that, they really shouldn't do anything but just run uh, Ezekiel Elliott and whoever ever made three or four backup running backs they can find. They should just keep running, just just nothing but run all day long. Um, and, and I'll take Dallas and I'll give the 22-and-a-half this was my lock of the week for about five minutes until I went down the page and found something I liked a little better. And then I wound up erasing it. So I actually got this double starred when I put the picks up on the blog to indicate that this would have been my lock of the week, except I liked something a little better. Um, so I, I, I want the full credit of Dallas does cover that I had him as a lock. Um, and if they don't cover, I want the full credit for taking the lock off of them. I want the full credit both ways. That's why I'm going to double start. Moving on to the uh, Jets and the Patriots, and this is not the biggest spread of the week. It's only 21. <laughs> Such a small spread. Uh, the horrible, woeful Jets with Luke Falk as their quarterback uh, at 0-2, 21-point underdogs at Tom Brady and the 2-0 Patriots. Sounds like I lost Jason. Uh, we were Sorry, I had the mute button oh. on there. Um, oh, well, I haven't yeah. lost you, thank God. No, I'm still here. Sorry, I was talking, all of a sudden I saw the little red light. It's like, oh, I'm not talking. Um, <laughs> no, we just got done talking about a team that uh, is poorly coached with an idiot head coach who I don't know how they're going <laughs> to handle prosperity and might just show up and go through the motions and, and just, you know, they'll just they'll win. Maybe they'll do like Baltimore did against Arizona, a team that had no business being in that game. Um, but they, they, yeah, you know, they were around. At least they have a little bit of talent on the Cardinals, a little, 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 little tiny bit. Uh, a team that has virtually no talent on it right now is the uh, the New York Jets. And this is not a team in the Patriots who is coached poorly. They don't have a problem running the score up on you. They don't have a problem putting the, the foot on your throat and kicking you when you're down. And Luke, well, whoever the hell this guy is, I don't care. <laughs> this isn't enough. So I'm going to go Falk. ahead and, and, you know, I Peter, it's Columbo. 
Showing our age. So, again. Yeah. So it wasn't going to, you know, I took the points with the Dolphins because I don't have the trust in this Cowboys to cover a giant number like this, but I definitely have the trust in the Patriots to cover a huge number, and they came through doing it for me last week. Um, I believe on the road, uh, 21 at home against a team with no quarterback. Uh, yeah, I'll take the Patriots here going away. They might just toy with these guys again, too. A.B., we, we hardly knew you. <laughs> it's going to be his home debut, and he's not even there. It's over after one week. And I'm mad. God damn it. I had him cut in week six. I didn't have him cut this soon. I'm I'm pissed at that. Um, So he's already gone. This is going to sound really stupid, but these big-ass spreads usually don't get covered when they're up here in the 20s because it's the NFL. It's the highest level of football. And I understand I just took the Cowboys to cover 22 and a half. And I can't believe I did that. But to take both of the uh, the 20, well, neither one of us are going to take both of the 20-point spreads because that's probably uh, a little preposterous when you think about it. As dumb as this sounds, points, again, seem like a tasty uh, matchup against the Patriots. I took the points, all those points against, uh, with the Dolphins last week, and it backfired on me. But I'm going to take all the points again with the Jets because – at oh. least the New York Jets are trying. They're God, an NFL they, team. At least they're attempting to perform like an NFL team. And just attempting to perform can keep you within three touchdowns. So, that God, that's a lot of points. That does, I, I don't think we realize how many points that is because of how big these, these spreads have been the last couple of weeks. But th- this is so unusual. Yeah. I don't know if we had a 20-point spread at all last year. Now we got three. I mean, all we're basically saying is that if we started the game, the Jets would have 21 points. The Jets would start up. The Jets could start the game up 21 to nothing and still lose. That's what we're saying. And and yeah, but but they could but they could hold on. They all they have to yeah. do is get like a, a a field goal somewhere in there. The, the Patriots can get three touchdowns, and the Jets can get a field goal, and that'll be good enough. So. Right. We'll see. Uh, the, the, that's a lot of points. Is all I, I really all I can stammer out. So and, and I don't have a lot of on the big spreads, which is interesting. Right. And I, I don't have a lot of confidence in 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 in, the, in that Jets pick at all because it's the Jets. But man, that's a lot of points. Anyway, on to Oakland and Minnesota. Uh, Murga is the team that I thought would be the victim of uh, big twenty point spreads this year, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, of course, they have a win, so they're. They're they're one and one. They got that win. They got that one on Monday night. Can't take um, it away. And, and you can't take it away. And the Vikings are also one and one. And ooh, that 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 lost last week. Oh, how ugly that was. Uh, the Ravens are eight point dogs at the Vikings. Yeah, Vikings. This is a real interesting case. Um, you know, losing the way that they lose games, and just knowing that at any point during a game, Kirk Cousins is gonna just you know turn into Kirk Cousins again and you put the ball in his hands in a position to make a play and he's going to make a play, but it's usually going to be for the you other. You like that? You like that? So I'm not, a very, very low confidence pick here for me, but I'm actually going to take the Raiders and the points. Uh, I think I, I'm not quite sure what to expect from the Vikings and I don't know what to expect from the Raiders. They showed up and looked great for the first quarter last week against the Chiefs. Again, they were up for that one. And then Patrick Mahomes was like, nah, 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 nah. This shit ends right now. This is Kirk Cousins. He, he doesn't have that capability. This isn't the high-powered Kansas City offense. This is 
this is a guy who will do something soul crushing. I could see the I could see them being up big and then the uh, Raiders coming in and doing a little garbage time. You never know. All you got to do is stay within eight, and I think the the, the Raiders uh, can do it. God help the Vikings if they need a late touchdown. If this is close and 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 Cousins has to lead some sort of comeback or something like that. Um, either way, if they're if it's close late and he needs to do something in the air, does he have the confidence because of how uh, shaky he's been, especially in the fourth quarter? Um, and if they're winning by a lot, uh, and, and he's trying to just sort of run out the clock and they're trying, they've tried to keep the reins on him. They, didn't he uh, only attempt 10 passes in their, in their win? Uh, so they, they want to have a game plan where he doesn't throw the ball too much, but now that everyone sort of knows if you make him throw make Kirk Cousins play quarterback and you have a much better chance of winning. Um, so I, I guess I'm with you. I'll, I'll take the eight points with Oakland and I don't feel great about that, but that's, that's a lot of points. Uh, on to the late games, Carolina and Arizona. And here's back to the quarterback carousel. This is Kyle Allen under center for yeah, the Carolina, <laughs> Carolina Panthers. Somebody named Kyle Allen uh, is the quarterback. His, his name is going to say not Cam on the back of his jersey. That, that's what that is. <laughs> C. So the, Fodder. Fodder, remember. <laughs> Cannon Fodder. So the uh, hypnotic Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray uh, quarterback of Kyle versus Kyler. Uh, the 0-2 Panthers, two-and-a-half point underdogs at the one, the old one and one Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, sadly, I find myself having to go with the quarterback who's played two NFL games versus <laughs> the quarterback who's yet to make his. Oh, this is going to be scintillating, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Kyler Murray's at least shown the capacity to make some big plays with the arm, and he, he's throwing to virtually nobody. So, you know, until the league either figures him out or that team goes out and gets him some weapons, he'll, he'll have some good games. Uh, Panthers without Cam Newton, this, this is not going to go well. Um, everybody's going to be keyed on Christian McCaffrey. We'll see, we'll see. Maybe Luke Allen's that guy, right? Maybe he's that guy that goes out there and, Kyle, and turns Kyle Allen. The, oh, what did I, who did I say? <laughs> Called him Luke. That's the Jets guy. Luke? Who's Luke? Oh, geez, all my Allens. You got the, I can't keep all my Allens together. Whoever the hell this guy is. Maybe he's the dude, but if he's going to be Billy Volek, we'll find out. There's also a chance that he could be uh, Nate Peterman. So, ah. yeah, <laughs> or 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 uh, Jeff Tool. Until we know, oh, until I've God. until we see, and until we know, um, I'm going to go ahead and take the proven quote unquote commodity here in the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> proven after two games. Yes, Jeff more proven Tool. than. Jeff Tool couldn't hit uh, couldn't hit Tina if he was Ike, I believe was the, <laughs> the quote. That's a deep dive from our archives, that, folks. That's first season right there. <laughs> Still one of my best lines back from year one. Yes, no, no doubt about that. Um, Kyle Allen, who is uh, you, you don't know who he is, but I'll tell you who he is. He beat the New Orleans Saints B team uh, in week 17 last year when the Saints were resting everybody getting ready for the playoffs. So he's, he's got that going for it. Is the Arizona Cardinals A team as good as the New Orleans Saints B team? That's, that's the big question. If you think they're about the same, if you think they're about the same, then you might want to take the Panthers. And I'll tell you what, Carolina on 10 days rest, 
against the, the rookie quarterback, and they need this game uh, badly. And it's not going to get any easier later on without Cam Newton, but for this game, first game without Cam, uh, Cam might have been playing that badly that he hampered the whole team. They might actually get a boost from high, having this Kyle Allen guy under center. It might be that bad that this might be a, a little bit of an, a short-term improvement for the Panthers. So I'll take Carolina and I'll take the two and a half points, but I don't okay. feel great about that either. Uh, Giants in Tampa Bay is another kid quarterback. It's the first start for old Danny Jones. It's the Daniel Jones era starting. So, uh, the, the Giants were going to start Eli Manning as long as they were contending. That lasted two games? Yeah, that didn't last. Again, I had made the point of why are they starting him at all if they're worried about contending. Because they weren't contending from day one. Yeah, no, this is uh, a franchise full of quit. So here it is, Daniel Jones. <laughs> this has been telegraphed since the preseason. Indeed. So uh, the 0-2 Giants, six-point underdogs at the 1-1 one one Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, the Daniel Jones adversity tour now begins. Um, I, I think, and there's a tendency sometimes when you are the team that makes the quarterback change, I think you go back to being a little bit more to who you who you really are. And I have a feeling that this is now with, with Daniel Jones going to be manning the offense, this is going to become the Saquon Barkley show. And against an era, uh, uh, the Tampa team that I just, oh my God, good luck. You want to you talk about the teams you can't figure out? Good luck trying yeah. to figure out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The defense isn't that great, but it's supposed to be better. The offense isn't great, but it's supposed to be good. And there's these playmakers all up and down that team. And I'm sure if you pick them on Madden, you could do some damage. But And I like Bruce Arians, but I, I don't know what to make out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going to take a team that I know has a proven commodity in Saquon Barkley. And Daniel Jones to game manage this team uh, to keep it within the to keep it within the number. Uh, and Saquon did beat up the Buccaneers last season, but no, it didn't. I, I <laughs> that, that's a good point. Um, but I think you you gotta have uh, take the the reins off of Jameis Winston and let him do what he does right now. I understand Bruce Arians is trying to sort of rein him in him and and Byron Leftwich and almost break him down and make him a, a better overall quarterback, but it's just not working right now. I think you kind of let Jameis be Jameis. So just on a hunch that they'll sort of let him do what he does and, and let him just throw up, throw it up to Mike Evans and, and throw it up to whoever else that he sees open. Um, I, I, I'll, I like the giants to sort of control the game in the first half uh, with the, with the running with Saquon, like you say, uh, but I like Tampa to open up in the second half and, and go all the way and win the game and cover the six-point spread. So I'm getting a little – I'm getting reverse-cute almost. <laughs> Anti-cute. You're right. giving us first I'll, half covers now. We don't do that yes. on this show. I, well, I'll, I'll do it for this one game. I like the Giants in the first half, and I like Tampa in the second, and, and I like Tampa to cover the spread for the whole game. On, on 10 days rest, they should get after Daniel Jones in the second half and, and really make him pay, I would, I would hope anyway. Uh, more injured quarterback roulette, uh, the Saints and the Seahawks, and it's all about Teddy Bridgewater now for the New Orleans yeah. Saints. Uh, he will lead the 1-1 one one Saints into Seattle to take on the 2-0 and o Russell, West, uh, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook? Wrong sport. Wrong sport. Russell it's Wilson late, folks. Led... <laughs> it is. <laughs> Russell Wilson led Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Saints are five-point underdogs at the 2-0 and o Seahawks. Uh, yeah, Saints up in Seattle. I'm sure that brings memories to everybody, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Beast Mode will be watching. Uh, I, the the thing that really like blew me away uh, this week was when I was watching one of the one of the sports talk shows and they were talking about the the uh, how Sean Payton's gonna he's got Teddy Bridgewater there and he's gonna try to work in uh, t- Taysom Hill some and they might do a little bit of this back and forth kind of thing. And then they were like, well, and I think that really works. You know, I, I really like what Taysom Hill brings to the table. And they put up the career stats for both of those guys. And Taysom Hill's like three for seven in his career passing. <laughs> I really like what he brings. And Teddy table. Bridgewater has taken professional teams to the playoffs. I'm looking at that. I'm like, I'm not seeing <laughs> how this is going to work. So I think Sean Payton here, now without Drew Brees, might outgenius himself. And I don't like that. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Seahawks here to handle the Saints, um, who I think may be going through a bit of an identity crisis because if Sean Payton's just trying to run all gadgetry and gimmicks, when you've got professional NFL football players, just go out there and be good at what you do. Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad quarterback. And I don't want to see uh, a situation here where he gets the short shrift because uh, Sean Payton's either fearful that he doesn't trust Teddy Bridgewater um, or because he thinks he's just the smartest guy in the room, and they're gonna they're gonna Belichick this way through without uh, without uh, Breeze like the way the the Patriots just seem to win with nobodies whenever Tom Brady's not around, which is why Tom Brady's not the goat. <laughs> Sideswipe. Um, <laughs> Bridgewater might not be that bad. I, I still don't think he's that good. Um, I remember some of the de- uh, debates we were having with. Uh, uh, Football yep. fan works radio when he was a Viking, and I was just kind of like, "What? What are you? What are you expecting out of him? I mean, what do you really think he is? I, I don't. I, I think he's he's all right, but uh, so he's in there. Drew Brees is out. Traquan Smith is hurt. He's not going to play one of their uh, faster targets. And Sheldon Rankins is still injured. Their best defensive tackle uh, in the middle to to help stop the run. And I actually think that that plays a big part because Seattle is all about establishing the run and setting up. Russell Wilson for that play action. Um, I was completely prepared to open uh, up the spreads tonight and see Seattle with, uh, playing against New Orleans without Drew Brees. You know, Seattle and all that early season love that they always get from being at home. They, they, their spreads are always sort of out of whack to me. I, I always be, beware the Seahawks early on and they uh, definitely should have been beware in week one when, when I had them and they wound up, uh, beating Cincinnati by all of one point. I was totally prepared to see him favored by 10 or so because Drew Brees was hurt. They're five-point favorites uh, against Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints. I saw that and said, wait a damn minute. They're five-point favorites uh, against Teddy Bridgewater? Five? That's it? They only have to win by a touchdown? I had the Cowboys covering that 22-and-a-half against that shit Miami team as my <laughs> lock of the week, and I took it off. Because Seattle by only five against Bridgewater, no Sheldon Rankins to help stop the run. And so Seattle can do whatever they want on, on both ends, running and passing the ball. I, I got to lock up the, the Seahawks. Okay. Only favorites. I was, I was stunned at that. Uh, again, I have no confidence in week three. So take all of that with a grain of salt. Uh, on to uh, the Injured quarterback theater continues. Uh, the Steelers and the 49ers, and bye, Big Ben for the Steelers, and hello, Mason Rudolph. We, if we have a pop quiz on these, if, if our lives depended on naming 
some of these quarterbacks that are starting tomorrow, we would be dead because we can't. I, I don't. I forgot the Jets guy already. I, uh, you forgot the other guy, the the Carolina quarterback. We, who are these people? So yeah, Mason Rudolph gets to start uh, at quarterback for Pittsburgh, um, and facing a, a 49ers team that, as I pointed out last week. Uh, if they won, they would start two and zero on the road for the first time since we started picking games back in nineteen eighty nine, and they did, and, and they did yeah. it in quite commanding fashion. Yeah, so, uh, team in turmoil here. Uh, they did pull off the trade and bring in Minka Fitzpatrick, which was nice. Uh, too bad he can't play quarterback. I'll take the yeah. I'll take the Forty ers here. I didn't even give you a spread. You're taking the Forty ers no matter what. <laughs> uh, I've got six and a half on my board, so I've got to be close to that. That's that's exactly what I have. So there you go. All right. So yeah, I'm taking the Niners uh, to win this one. Uh, I concur. Okay. Sounds good. And moving ahead. Yeah, I don't. I don't we don't have to go too deep on this. One. this is dog shit now. Yeah. Uh, Houston and the Clippers. Speaking of dog shit, uh, I'm still mad at the, at the Chargers for finding a way to blow that game. Uh, I, I I can't say. Uh, dog shit too much about this game because this features both of my wild card picks in the AFC. I, I realize uh, so I, I actually must like both of these teams very much, but I had to pick one, um, and it's going to be difficult because they're both uh, got an even record and one and one. They both have strengths and, and weaknesses that you have to measure, and you got the cop out line, so that doesn't help me at all. Houston is plus three at the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, it's all about a matter of trust to me here, and I haven't seen enough so far out of the Chargers to to really trust them. They had a uh, they had a team in Week One that they should have whipped, uh, come back and tie them and take them to overtime. And the Colts, the team that just lost their franchise quarterback, and then they lose a game to Ass Clown on the road. Oh my! God. I contemplated locking this one down the other way, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to take the Texans here because I think uh, I just think Houston's the better team. Uh, as I said, they're doing the kicker thing again. The Chargers are with uh, the punter. Ty Long will also be the place kicker. Just uh, after what you did, after watching that fail last week, you're gonna go do it again. That's just so asinine. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm gonna take the uh, the Texans as well. Uh, LA off a very tough loss has to focus on a team that can definitely catch them napping and. And I think Houston goes in and, and, and gets it done and, and gets a big win. It should be – I like the over. It should be high-flying. I, I think that game's going to be a lot, of, a lot of points in that one. On Sunday night football, it's the Rams and the Browns. And I like the over on that one as well. should be high-flying as well. Uh, but the 2-0 and Rams are the road favorites. They uh, give three and a hook. They give three and a half at the 1-1 one one yeah. Cleveland Browns. Yeah, we saw how woefully unprepared the Browns were for that first home game um, where the Titans just went in there and rolled them, and then they went on the road and took care of business in prime time. So they've had a prime time test already. They went on Monday night on the road and beat up a Jets team that's just that's just awful. I mean, the Jets are just, it's, come on. The Jets are, it's an injury issue for the Jets in, in ineptitude, and the Jets are just going to be bad for a long time. But this is the, this is a different story. This is Sean McVay and the high-flying Rams, and they're coming in to play basically against Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield, who's spent more time in the offseason doing commercials, apparently, than learning about you know getting better at playing the sport of football. I don't trust the Browns here in a big spot at home. I, it's Again, it's a lot of times early in the season, you're just kind of going with gut and feel and, and trust. 
I, I trust the team that went to the Super Bowl last year and, and looked <laughs> really good for like the whole season up until that Super Bowl. Super Bowl was really the only moment that the Rams like left people scratching their heads like going, oh, my God, how did these guys get here? Other than that, the Rams have been okay. Uh, they went to Carolina, eked out a game that they they should have had um, to begin with. Maybe a little harder a contest than it should have been. But and then they beat the uh, they beat the Saints. And what both Saints fans are going to tell you it was a gift game because there was a blow. But whatever, they handled them pretty good. And they were knocking Drew Brees around. And they handled Teddy Bridgewater after that. Baker Mayfield and this Browns team. And the Rams team that's not getting – I mean, they're, they're the favorite here. But, again, this is all about the hot shit Browns. I, I, I think they'll go in there and have a little something for the Browns. I'm going to take the Rams on the road. You talk about trusting the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, all the phone lines are lit up from Metairie and Kenner and all the wards in New Orleans. They should have went to the Super Bowl. The Saints should have went. Uh, you're getting a lot of angry uh, callers from New Orleans about that. Now, um – yeah, Cleveland gagged in their home opener against Tennessee. Here's an actual good squad because Tennessee's not very good. Uh, here's an actual good team in the Rams. So I definitely agree on that point. Uh, interest, a little interesting to me with the injury report that the dueling tight end drama, the Rams will not have Tyler Higby, and Cleveland lost their uh, stud uh, David Njoku to a broken wrist. So they're not going to have him for quite a while. But to me, the uh, – a deciding factor was the fact that both cornerbacks for the Cleveland Browns, the rookie Greedy Williams and the veteran Denzel Ward, both came up on the injury report with hamstrings this week, right before they played the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, you got to try to chase those guys around. Good luck. Have fun. Um, I, I concur. I'll take the Rams and I'll give the three and a hook. And on Monday night, it's the Bears and the Redskins. I should have got a hold of uh, Tim, the DC correspondent, to give his opinion on. Uh, the Bears up there uh, in his neck of the woods. I bet he's going to be at the game, too. I bet he's he's, gonna, he's got good seats and he's going to have his kids out there. Uh, but Chicago, and boy, that offense looking as, as woeful as ever, but they somehow eke out a, a win that they maybe shouldn't have done at Denver. And Washington now at 0-2, staring possibly 0-3 in the face, if you ask the uh, the odds makers, because Chicago at 1-1 one one is a four-point road favorite on Monday night at the Redskins. Yeah, the next the next step of the cannon fodder tour here for the Redskins goes uh, into effect again, where they're playing another top tier defense. So they're just going to let a quarterback go out there and get destroyed. I would fully expect that the Bears go in there, take care of business, and that next week, all of a sudden, miraculously, at the Giants, uh, we find out that Dwayne Haskins might be getting the start or might roll. Maybe zero and three is enough time to roll him out there to try to save your franchise. What a joke franchise! Give me the Bears. <laughs> He's, he's calling his shot, uh, Dwayne Haskins, next week. Um, yeah, Chicago, uh, they keep getting some not-so-impressive offenses for their defense to play to sort of mask the stink of their own offense uh, because <laughs> what they're doing right now with Mitch yeah. Trubisky is, is not very good at all. The uh, is not working anymore. No, it's not, and they need to just scale back to the basics uh, and stop the trickeration and let the kid get a hold of some basics first. Uh, but very low scoring, uh, very sluggish games, uh, another Monday nighter that nobody wants to watch. Uh, but I concur in the end, I'll take the bears and give the four points and we'll see if, uh, case Keenum can get it done or not. Uh, for the Cannon fodder. <laughs> Pretty much. 
Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we had some pick sixes. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears cover this just on like a defensive touchdown or two. Right. I, I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't be stunned. If the Bears get to 20, the Bears will probably get to 20 unless they have some defensive scores, and they probably will. They they haven't had that yet either. We haven't seen like the Eddie Jackson pick six or the big strip sack return for a touchdown or big special teams play. Maybe we see some Cordero Patterson bust a big one on a on a punt return or a kick return. We'll see something. The Bears will score points in the non-traditional sense uh, to cover this number. That's my prediction. I like it. I like uh, Khalil Mack to pick up a, a fumble, a quarterback sack and a fumble and yeah. return it for a, a touchdown. scoop and score, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Damn right. That'll do it for us. Two hours live. Our football party and whatever else we want to get to on our after show, we'll have that when we come back. Thanks for listening. And now into our VIP after show program. Yeah, that's football party once again. And, and I hope we don't have as many quarterback injuries tomorrow because, boy, that's a lot to try to reach. <laughs> yeah, it would be hard to watch. I mean, NFL sports in general, uh, you know, baseball has been such a tough – not because of the Cubs. Let's not talk about the Cubs. But baseball has been a tough watch. They're just standing around waiting for home runs that baseball has turned into. is just it's boring. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't appreciate that or enjoy that at all. So I don't like, well, if I wanted to watch home run derby, I would watch the all-star game. I don't watch that either. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the NFL, the, the quality of the product seems to be diluting, um, you know, and, 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 and the refereeing and the bad calls and everything that the, unfortunately is the technology all improves. It just shows you how much these guys get wrong with baseball and football and, you know, the whole point is to try to get things right. And when you see things that are clearly wrong, allowed to stay wrong, man, it it, it becomes a, a tough slog and a hard watch. And, uh, yeah, the fact that we have two 20-point spreads in the NFL in the same week, someone's going to have to dig a stat out because I, I can't remember ever seeing it. I mean, 20 I by either. itself was rare. And to see two 20s, it, that's nuts. And this is not it. I mean, we might see more right. 20 point spreads this year than we've ever seen before, just because of how many teams are so full of quit. I mean, the Dolphins were is... 19 point dogs on the at home. This, What's this going to be I, when I, they go to Foxborough? I keep calling last week a, a 20 point. I keep saying that we have three, but last week was only 19. 19 so we only only have, 19. Only 19. Um, but if you include the number nineteen, that's three, and I've never seen that many in a, in a season. And we've, we're on when we're in week three, and it's only going to be more. Right. Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a, a hit to the to the sport when you got that many teams that are so awful that they're favored to lose by three touchdowns. That that's just that's not compelling football for anybody really, uh, except yeah. for gamblers. <laughs> That's the only people I mean, that care I've, about something like that. You know, I, I'm a Falcons fan, right? I root for the Falcons first and foremost, and, and secondarily because of my associations and family and kids, I you know, I'll, I'll root for the Packers. But I've watched a lot of bad football being a Falcons fan over the years, right? More losing seasons I've seen than winning seasons. But never at any point in any of all those years when I saw some 3-13s and 5 and did I ever think I, that team had just 
completely quit. Like, this team is just not playing football. Um, I, I couldn't imagine being a fan of the Dolphins right now. That's a proud franchise, you know, uh, I, or the Jets, I mean, or, or the or the Cardinals. I couldn't imagine being a fan of these teams going through that. What the, just the despair? I mean, do you even watch at that point? If you're like a really and hardcore fan, you do, I guess. I mean, are people still going to go to these games? I mean, the Dolphins fans are going to have to sell all their tickets to the teams, you know, to the fans from the other team. Yeah, I'm not going if I'm a Miami fan. I, no, why? Why in the hell would I want to watch that? Yeah, could you imagine Absolutely being a season not. ticket holder and supporting this garbage? No. So this is this is different though. This is what the Dolphins are doing is something I don't know if I've ever seen anything like. It's other world. Never, <laughs> it I've is. never. Seen because what's your like plan? <laughs> Seriously, you, it's fine if you want to be bad and you want a, a good draft pick, but what is your plan? Like somebody got in, in their ears and said, hey, the, the new trend in sports is to be as bad as you possibly can so you can have the better chance of getting the number one pick, and that's the only way you can build your team up. Okay, let's go out and be as bad as we possibly can. That's the plan. That's what it looks like is somebody just got an idea in their head that be as bad as humanly possible. Trade all of your players yeah. that are any damn good uh, and the ones that are left behind that are halfway good – break their spirit so much that they're flinching when a ball is coming at them, which again, I've never seen that before. Yeah. I mean, who was the last team to win a Super Bowl with an overall number one, like quarterback pick? Was it the Broncos with Manning? That wasn't even their number one, number one overall pick. It wasn't even their guy, right? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean so, the Colts drafted him. They won a Super Bowl, but think about that. I mean, you, 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 there's no surefire thing that, tanking and getting the first pick means a damn thing. It's, it's Especially not when you surround the guy with the, enough talent. You, right. You haven't left any core intact. You know, yeah. we saw the 0-16 Browns a couple of seasons ago. At least you looked at that roster and saw players. There were some players on the, the GM didn't think so, but there were some actual professional football players on that team. There weren't many but the Browns weren't just so bad that all of a sudden the players just revolted and said, Oh, get me out of here. I mean, is this, I mean, this also, I mean, this is almost like the NBA ification of football. And then the Antonio Brown thing where it's like, Hey, I'm just going to demand a trade. They have to trade me. I'm just going to be as big of a thorn in the side of the franchise as I possibly can. And they'll just have to get rid of me. Uh, I kind of never seen anything like that either. What Antonio Brown did. Yeah. The, or now Jalen Ramsey is doing it, and Minka Fitzpatrick demanded a trade and, and got one. Right, Ramsey. Apparently, they're asking so much for Jalen Ramsey that he might yes, actually stay. Yes, but and like, he played well. He, he played well, and you know, and Jacksonville's not toast, so I don't know why they would trade him. They're in a winnable division. They sh- they could well, be easily. They're a half a yard away from being two and one. But it's very tough when you have a player who's looked at your top executive, uh, in in this case Tom Coughlin, and said he is the reason I want to go, and is talking bad about Tom Coughlin because he says Coughlin said something about him that was unforgivable, and that's why he wants to get out. So yeah. I, it, it's really tough on both sides. It really is a rock and a hard place for Jacksonville. Yeah. I don't know how you get rid of him for fair value, yet right. I don't know how you keep him around if he's – going uh, public with his uh, frustration and, and 
getting heat on your on your uh, executive like that. And as far as I know, yet Jalen Ramsey hasn't frozen his feet or called Tom Coughlin a cracker. That may be down the road, but as of now, he's being the professional, despite apparently he cussed 37 times in his press conference this week. Uh, oh, but nice. despite that. The one on Thursday after after the Thursday game or earlier in the week? No, before the Thursday game. Okay. Uh, but when the trade demands first came out uh, and he was upset that he was that because he was trying to be the professional and he didn't leave. He, he uh, insisted that he didn't leak the trade demand. That was the team. He said, you need to ask the team why they uh, leaked that, because I didn't leak that. I didn't want this to become a distraction to the team because I'm trying to do the right thing. And I'm trying to do this the right way. So he was then quite don't ask for a trade. That. Just play, play out your contract. You're getting paid. Again, it's not oh, about okay. the, you're you're, you're but, a man-to-man corner, and you don't want to play zone. Oh no! He says it's not about that though. Is is something apparently that? Yeah. That Tom Coughlin said, or somebody uh, up above uh, in the in the executives, somebody said something that really crossed the line with him. I, I have no idea what that could possibly be, but that that was everyone's speculation was that it was. The, the arguing with uh, Doug Marone on the sideline about the, what coverages that they're playing um, and, and being frustrated at that. And he says, it's not about that. It's about being disrespected. And that's oh, why he wants all the, dis- the D word. He's brought out the Somebody D word. Somebody disrespected me. Better put some respect on it. So I, there's more there than, than meets the eye is, is what it appears. But uh he said he didn't leak it, and he's saying the organization is the ones that's being unprofessional about the whole thing. Uh, so that that actually is believable because it's the Jaguars and and Jaguars and unprofessional. Yeah, I can I can I can go with that. I can believe that. Probably put the Jaguars somewhere in the twenties as far as ranking class organizations. Uh, I think we've got some below them. They're not the worst. <laughs> They're not the worst in their own state, that's for sure. <laughs> so sad it's so sad the franchise of the perfect season and dan marino and uh, it it's so bad nothing like what what, what's going on right now all of that history all of that uh, everything's out the window what they're doing right now just just the worst just the worst (sighs) so you you briefly brought up some uh, baseball action, and we're getting ready for yeah. the whole season there. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to mention the Cubs. Um, oh my God! Just, just, just. Joe Madden's so gone, right? He's just got to be gone. Well, I don't he, know. he can't survive this. This has been just awful. Doesn't he have some plausibility though with, with his hurt players? And he, you got and Anthony Rizzo trying to hobble out there, and, and and every time you put Craig Kimball in, he breaks out the lighter fluid and starts. Setting everything on fire. Was, anybody mean, who they've put in as closer. Yeah. Uh, I saw the stat today that the Cubs today, uh, this was the 19th time this season they've scored five or more runs and lost. Oh, man. This season. You're not going to yeah. win much anything that doing that. Yeah. When you, you So, yeah, you've put up five or more. Uh, usually your odds of winning in the uh, major leagues go way up because the average score in baseball is usually around five to four. I don't know what it is this year. It's probably more like 12 to 11. But <laughs> that's historically been the average score of a baseball. Yeah, so scoring five or more runs is usually a recipe for success. And they've lost 19 times scoring five or more runs. That is unheard of. So they're not going to make the playoffs, and they have no one to blame themselves. They'd have to win out, probably. 
from here on, and I don't see it. They can't win. And, and the Cardinals team playing would have to go down. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's something Joe Madden is going to take the the fall for. I think he's, uh, you know, how good of a politician he is. He always makes things look like I, it's not his fault. So from what I've been seeing and reading, I think Joe's been on pretty thin ice with Theo, and the uh, fact that they, uh, the Joe, had been out there actively like you know, angling for the contract extension because this is the end of his contract um, and didn't get it. And the organization was very mum on it and, you know, very noncommittal. It wasn't like vote of confidence bad, but it was one of those like, eh, I don't know. And uh, if they completely shit the bed here and miss the playoffs and just barely finish a few games over 500, again, blow it again in September, just like they did last season where they just melted down completely in September, melting that lead away to the Brewers. Um, now they're doing it with the Cardinals, a team on paper that I don't think is, is more talented than the Cubs. That, that's the thing is this, this underperforming to expectations since they won the World Series, I think, is going to end up doing Joe Madden. And I think that's also a team that, as a young team, I think he was the perfect coach. But as this team ages and becomes a little bit more veteran, I think that the shtick wears off. And I could easily see them replacing him. I, I, I've been on record uh, – don't know if I've done it on the air or done it with you, but I've been on the record that you know it's it's one Joe for another after this season. I think it's Madden out and Joe Girardi in. Wow, Joe well, he's coming home. Got the former All Star, former All Star coming home. <laughs> former All Star. He's a he's a Chicago guy. I I think he purposely has stayed on TV because I think this is the job he's waiting for, and I think Joe Madden's coaching himself out of a job, and I think Theo will break the bank open and. They'll bring Joe Girardi in. That'll give the Cub a that'll give the that'll give him a little juice, a little shot in the arm, and uh, he's a veteran manager. He won't put up with the bullshit. Um, that this, this all the lack of clutch. All this man, this team's just so not clutch, pitching or hitting. That no, game I'm... yesterday, they lost two to one. They had guys on. They had bases loaded multiple times. They, they you know they hit into a double play every time. It looked like oh, it was just bad. So not clutch. I was not aware that Joe Madden was going on a on a lame duck contract. So yeah, that does sound like they're sort of greasing the skids if they're not gonna if they didn't extend him and then they watch this happen. That yeah, does that does sound like they can put uh, put the blame on him and usher him out the door. But I guess my fear uh, is always when you have a proven commodity uh, in in a leadership position like that and you usher him out. You better go get a Gerard. You better go get somebody yeah. that's better. Uh, otherwise, don't do it. Leave the guy yeah. there. So no, yeah, maybe you, if they get you Girardi, don't fire I, Doug I, I, Collins I unless you got the Phil Jackson, right? Oh, <laughs> but who man, knew what the, Phil Jackson was when they hired him? Ex- Nobody knew. Exactly. I was about to say uh, R.I.P. Larry Krause, but he kind of got lucky on that one. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Doug Collins was one hell of a coach. People don't right. remember that. But he didn't get them from point A to point B. That's right. So. And I think the Cubs are – they got from point A to point B, and they've gone back to point A again. And they've actually gone <laughs> backwards. Yeah, that's – when you got the, the veteran older arms and they're all sort of – John Lester has lost it. Uh, yeah. Hugh Darvish found it after a half a year, but he wasn't very good in the first half. Um, Kyle Hendricks, whatever he used to have, he's kind of lost that. Uh yeah, when you're relying on the uh, the the older guys and you don't really have too much in the in the farm system, of course, I get to watch some Iowa Cubs baseball down here in Memphis, and they don't have too many arms uh, ready to to come up and, and help them out. No, 
So, yeah, it was a hell of a run though for the Cubs. It might. It looks like it hey, might hey, be. I, I, I'm not over. trading any of it for anything. You you got a ring out of it. You can't trade that. You I am not, not going to trade. They could they could have seasons just like this or worse for the rest of my life. You cannot take away <laughs> 2016. I've got a world. I got to witness something that it, that entire generations didn't get to see. Exactly for a century, for a whole century. Right. But just from a from a being a fan standpoint and and watching the sports standpoint, yeah, Joe's got to go. Hmm. Well. Yeah, it sounds like he's he's about ready I mean, to he'll go. Drink he free, he'll drink free in Chicago forever. Don't get me wrong, but right, you know, for what he did, like building up that young team and getting them to break the curse, and you know, a lot of the with the mental stuff, and you know, a lot a lot of those things. But it's just clearly something something's not working anymore, and I think he's going to be the fall guy here. So I had a, a a fantasy proposal in my league. Someone is, is trying to be very active and, and offer a, a bunch of trades already. Um, and so with no judgment or, or, or attempting to uh, sway you at all, I just wanted to th- uh, throw the proposal out there. I won't even tell you if I accepted it or not. But just or, to- I, I, yeah, how about it? I don't even know. I don't even know who has which players. So just what's the trade offer? Oh yeah, I can tell you. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't have to, to tell you who's on your players or his players. Right. Okay. Um, without telling you who's on what team, uh, one team. Uh, if I can remember it now. Uh, let's see. It was one team was offering Lamar Jackson and Robert Woods the. Rams receiver. Rams receiver, sure. In exchange for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. No judgment, no swing either Uh, way, just on the surface. So the team that's trading DeAndre Hopkins for Lamar Jackson, who's their quarterback? So the team that Um, has... So the team that would be getting Lamar Jackson and giving up DeAndre Hopkins, who's the quarterback on on that team? Uh, that would be getting. Oh, uh, that would be getting Deshaun, or that will be getting the team that's getting DeAndre Lamar Hopkins Jackson. and giving up Lamar. Uh, yeah. Wait, are you so asking the, the team who's getting Lamar Jackson, who's their quarterback, no, the or who's team, giving the, the team Lamar who's Jackson? getting Lamar Jackson? Because they're clearly oh. they're getting a quarterback. And they're giving up one of the best, if not the best, top, or top two or three receivers in football. Who is their quarterback? Mm-hmm. I mean, so Lamar Jackson comes onto that team. If Lamar Jackson's going to a team that doesn't need him, I don't make that trade. Although that now team is is starting, you know, Joe Flacco, I probably make the deal. <laughs> the the team that would have received Lamar Jackson has. Uh, Matt Ryan as the starting quarterback and has Philip Rivers as a backup. I don't make that trade. Okay. Because all I'm all I'm netting out of that deal then is Robert Woods, because unless it's a bye week scenario, I don't think I'm ever starting Lamar Jackson over Matt Ryan, ever. Okay. So. All right. Well, now I, I feel good about it. Uh, I was the player. I was the team that has New Hopkins. I was offered that deal, and I did reject that trade. Oh yeah, no, that was yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. Like I said, if you're if you were just if you were dying for a quarterback, you had Drew mm-hmm. Brees, you had Ben Roethlisberger, you know, 
and somebody's like smelling blood in the water, I, I frankly sure. don't understand the trade offer. I don't understand because when you make a trade offer to somebody, you want that person to be enticed to take a player. You already have two serviceable starting pro, you know, fantasy quarterbacks. You have Matt Ryan, right. who's probably an automatic start. Maybe right. you bench him for Rivers if there's like a super favorable matchup for the Chargers or in your bye week. But oh, when are you ever going to certainly? Yeah, but when are you ever going to start Lamar Jackson over? That's someone who's just trying to sell high on Lamar Jackson. That's a smart. That's a smart that's person. Ex- but that's it. It's exactly what why I understand the offer is. Someone got Lamar Jackson after he played Towson State and Southwest Louisiana, <laughs> yes. and right. got those stats built up and said, "Hey, look at this guy. He's red hot. Yeah. Don't you want a piece of him and Robert Woods? And you can give me New Hopkins." And I said, "Yeah, but." No, I, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, the player, the, the team that needed to uh, to take that and accept that deal was the team that just lost one of their their stud quarterbacks. They were they were rolling out there with Cam Newton or Drew Brees or rapist or one of those guys, and now they're down that quarterback. And here's somebody dangling Lamar Jackson and his infinite fantasy points from the first two seasons. Yeah, I would I'd bite on that. Because I'd be desperate yep, for a quarterback, and Lamar Jackson's way better than anything you're going to scoop up off the waiver wire. You mean he's better than uh, Dan Jones or uh, Kyle <laughs> Allen? Yeah, and you got to figure every team is going to carry Rudolph? a starter and a backup, so that means the top 24 quarterbacks in the in the league are all kept. So yeah, the the, the maybe maybe you're in a league that you 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 can sneak up like a like like Josh Allen or Jake Brisket or, or, or try to roll with one of those guys, but those guys are probably scooped up already. So, no, I would make that trade if I just lost my quarterback for the whole season. Yeah, And the I, guy that had Lamar Jackson probably got a really good starter, is my feeling. That's the guy sitting on Mahomes or Brady or Rodgers, you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, wow, did you – you nail that one. He uh wait, it's the right guy. Alright, I'm I thought I was clicking on the guy that had Lamar Jackson, but maybe he traded him already. Maybe there was already a deal. Maybe he figured it out. <laughs> there 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 have been trades made. Um the guy did wind up making a, a deal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the guy did uh, make a, a deal for Lamar Jackson later on. So um, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, you did nail it that uh, his starting quarter is indeed Tom Brady. Yeah. So he so doesn't he afford need, to deal Lamar Jackson. So at that point, Lamar Jackson's a bye week replacement. Exactly. And when you have um, a stud quarterback or you have a top tier top flight quarterback, you don't even usually need to roster a backup because you're only going to need the backup one time. Mm-hmm. And then you just go scoop up a favorable matchup off the waiver wire in a one quarterback league. Right. Which so I would have just... done, um, except I was of Philip Rivers was available toward the end of the draft. And I just said, oh, you know sure. what, I'm just going to take him now instead of having to scrounge around for garbage uh, in the, in the bye week. Right. Um, and if so, you end up with a really, really, really bad matchup for the Falcons, like the Falcons are, they're, they're on the road in Baltimore or something, or they're playing a team you just don't trust, 
and the Chargers are playing the Dolphins or the Cardinals <laughs> or you know or the Jet. You know, if you could play matchups with Philip Rivers because he's still got those 400 yard, you know, four touchdown games in him. He'll have a few. Oh sure. So you'll probably approve of the guy that flipped Lamar Jackson that already has Tom Brady as a starter. He did eventually get rid of him. Uh, he wound up dealing him straight up one-on-one for Keenan Allen. So you turned the weeks against Towson State in Southwest Louisiana into Keenan Allen. And that's, into that's, a, that's into a number one. Yeah, He's looking for that number one wide receiver. He clearly knows. He must think he's weak at wide out. He must because the, there's a second trade that was made in this uh, league, and it's also him. He wound up packaging Robert Woods and Sony Michelle, and he traded them for Juju Smith-Schuster. So he's. I don't know about that one because Sony Michelle is gonna, I think, over the length of the season, put up some pretty good numbers. Um, unfortunately, now this is the post Ben Roethlisberger Steelers, so who knows what. Juju is going to Yeah, do. that's a great point that with Mason Rudolph going uh yeah. make throwing the ball up for him, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, and these uh, backups, you always see it with these backup quarterbacks. They usually end up getting the rapport with the guys lower on the depth chart. These are all the guys that they see in practice. Yeah, hey, that's my boy. That's the guy I yeah. throw to every day. Let me let me So throw don't him about be surprised if somebody a little bit farther down the depth chart, all of a sudden starts racking up some points, uh, fantasy points for the Steelers, just because Mason Rudolph knows where the guy's going to be. And he doesn't practice with the ones. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it happens. You, you see this happen all the time where this, the, the guy's the backup and all of a sudden he's making a connection with that guy. He was hitting in the preseason a lot. If you, if you watched preseason football, you would realize that, <laughs> but you, nobody does. No, I, well, that, a lot of people do. Those ratings are so somebody. So somebody wants to be really sneaky. I don't. Somebody wants to be really sneaky. What they would do is they'd go and look at the the Mason Rudolph numbers from preseason and who was getting all the catches. <laughs> and if that guy's still on the team, scoop him up. That would be a hell of a pull if somebody does that. Uh, I, I don't have the. Kind of I would pull. I don't want to do like that, that kind of research. I would do that. Because that, that, that wouldn't be that far to go back. There's, there's only four preseason games and see who the receivers were um, doing well in those games, because that's the guy that that quarterback's going to have rapport with any of these backups. Now, Daniel right. Jones, different story. He was playing with ones mm-hmm. or at least well, playing with the, the, the offensive line. It was pointed out that uh, when the giants were, allowing Daniel Jones to pad his stats whenever they would put him in the game, they would not pull the offensive line starters. So the offensive yeah. line starters for the giants are going up against all the other teams, two and threes. So Daniel Jones right. is completely clean in the pocket and, you know, completing like 85% of his balls. I, this is, this is going to be ones on ones tomorrow. So it'd be interesting to see, but I still have them keeping it close. Yeah, we'll definitely have to, keep an eye on that. I don't know if Tampa has what it takes to get after him. If that, that It's 10 days rest. So if they're, if they're ever yeah. going to get after somebody, this would be the time. So we'll, we'll see. And it's, and it's always nice to get a caller who wants to know what we think about something. It's nice to get a caller period. Uh, and it's nice to well, get a caller uh, that's not propositioning me for gay sex yeah. or bringing up Mike Mitchell. Yeah. And a caller that we've had probably calling into the show for, for year for several years now. Yes, uh, we had a couple of regulars for a while there, Bryce in Brooklyn and Naj in Atlanta. I haven't heard Brooklyn, from Bryce in a while. I, 
Yeah. Yeah. Bryson Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know. I, the, the suicide watch was in effect for him a couple <laughs> seasons ago. After Jacksonville did what they did to the Steelers. We haven't heard from him since then. No, he was, he was pretty no, confident it's, before it's, that. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. He just couldn't bring himself to it. All right. I, uh, unless you got anything else, I think that'll be about it. Oh, I just, uh, I'm fighting a cold here, so I actually just took some of my uh, nighttime cold medication, you know, because my Uh-oh. wife told me to take it before I go to bed. So I, I'm either going to start being incoherent and uh, <laughs> or more incoherent, I should say. Uh, no, that's why I say, oh, may just fall asleep. Just be like the old days. I'll just fall asleep. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, uh, we were younger. I uh, We were... Uh, on the phone uh, with each other watching Saturday night's main event. And I was a little more than I thought I was. So I told you to hold on during the commercial break so I could lay my head down for a second. And next thing I knew <laughs> it was two hours later and the TV was still on and the phone was still off the hook. And you of course were long gone. Yes. And so. I'm sure you heard me snoring and all of that. And that, that uh, it, was, very... it was awkward, but I'll tell you what, neither one of us have ever <laughs> fallen asleep on air. That not quite yet, but boy, one of those early season shows uh, early on, I was so tired that night. I started asking a question of you and totally got lost right in the middle of the question. Don't have any idea what I was asking you. I still remember that because I was that the, one of our first shows uh, back when you know when we didn't have the the premium ability to, to yeah. set the time of the show at anything when, earlier. When we were still nervous about Central. going on air. We were nervous, and we couldn't start the show any earlier than 10. And I was struggling to stay awake, and I had a question for you, and I just, in the, right in the middle of it, just like, what was I talking about? So that's the closest I think we've come to falling asleep on there. Uh, but, yeah, thankfully we haven't done that. All right. Uh, by the way, next week uh, for our week four uh, football party will definitely have to be a Friday night show at – 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern. I'm occupied on that Saturday. So set your calendars. Those of you who are loyal listeners like Naja Atlanta, hopefully we gave you some good advice tonight. Uh, yes, next week, 10 o'clock Central, 11 o'clock Eastern on Friday night, September the 27th will definitely be our week three recap and week four pick party for, for next week. Um, let me count up how many were different on for this week. So it's quite a few, at least early. We were definitely having some dis- discussions and arguments about some of those games. Um, looks like seven. Oh, I believe wow, we're different okay. on seven. So yeah, it's going to be one of those. And again, not very confident in, in those picks, but uh, at least it'll be we'll go something three, to watch. We'll go three, three, and one. In those, in those picks. Yeah, we'll find a way to push. All right, so uh, believe that's about all. Yeah, we'll uh, see you again uh, Friday night. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been, in much less detail, the podcast. It's been a long football party. I hope you got everything you needed out of us and get ready for your football tomorrow, week three in the NFL, featuring a quarter of the team's with quarterbacks that were not supposed to be the starters, uh, but are already for different reasons starting uh, when they are not supposed to be. So 
uh, it, it'll be something to watch. There'll be a lot to discuss again uh, next week. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, at least we know Antonio Brown won't be involved, so that's good. Uh, we will see you Friday night for our week four football party. Enjoy your football tomorrow, and have a good night, and we'll see you next week.